folks, grab your sunscreen. Get to the beach and look out for sharks. It's time to cover SummerSlam 2003, the second SummerSlam we're covering on the SmackDown 6 podcast. I'm your host, Matt Vaughn. And we are covering the SmackDown 6 era of SmackDown, the beginning of the Ruthless Aggression era. And we are covering a time when six wrestlers, who are sometimes injured, sometimes not, when they are contributing to the show in such a way that the wrestling product is the tip-top concern of the time. And we've got a, a great show to talk about here because I think it, it's never been more clear that it's sometimes the wrestling is, is a prime priority and sometimes it's uh, the lowest possible priority. And each week on this uh, on the show, I bring along with me a special guest. And this time, I'm excited to add uh, another, uh, I guess, another descriptor to him. Um, yes, he's been on the show before. Yes, he is my brother. And yes, he is, you may know him from Yellow Jackets on Showtime. It's Will Vaughn. How you doing, Will? We're so glad you're here. We've been waiting for you, smack addicts. It's summertime, and the living is anything but easy. Get ready for red hot action. It's time to face the heat. I'm putting my heart and soul into this. I might have an out-of-body experience, but let the bodies hit the floor. I'm madly in anger with this show Matt, thank you so much for having me here to talk about, quite frankly, unquestionably, the biggest party of the summer. It's SummerSlam 2003. Oh, Matt, thank you for uh, thank you for this. Thank you. I, I, if I if I knew if I knew that you would have hit me with all of the taglines of SummerSlam over the years, I would have let you open the show with that. It took me. I'm like halfway through, and I'm like heart and soul. That's the 1997. Thing. That's the heart one. So what you're pointing out, Will, something yes. that I wanted to talk about, I was like, hey, Will, let's get you for SummerSlam 2003. I booked you, I think, relatively early for this. I was like, let's get him, let's get him locked you in. You went through my agent, and uh, we, yes. we, you know, we figured some stuff out, and uh, I, I was we like, found Look, some numbers that were agreeable. And uh, I know, I know, he's Paramount's darling now. But can we get him off the lot, and can we get him onto the into podcast studio? Talk about SummerSlam 2003. I'd love to, I'd love to have that happen. And they said, we got to make sure he's not going to go on Colbert. And they checked, and it was good. And and then I was like, what about Corden? And they said, no, it's okay. I was like, okay. Uh, and so we got you for SummerSlam. And so, Will, you decided to watch every SummerSlam up to this point. Is that right? From Is it from 87, 2003? Uh, 88 to 88, 2003. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, you, I... Some of them you had already seen recently, right? I think you and I, even in the last year, have watched, I believe, SummerSlam 98. 98. Uh, so we were watch that. On, on route to watching, uh, or, or actually, I think post watching SummerSlam 2021 with you right. o- over the summer, um, I decided to watch all the SummerSlams. I was like, you know what? It's SummerSlam. Uh, it's an interesting event in that it's one of the original big four. Yeah. Besides WrestleMania, without a, a gimmick, right? Survivor Series used to have the just elimination all teams, matches, yes. mm-hmm, elimination matches, and Royal Rumble has the, obviously the Rumble match, and then uh, SummerSlam has been. Uh, I've heard it referred to by people as kind of like the Smark WrestleMania, and, and maybe that's truer in, in years recently. What I've learned, Matt, this may be a general statement, but I learned that SummerSlam is WWE as it is, and WrestleMania is WWE as it wants to be seen. So I think very SummerSlam, very deep description of SummerSlam. I like that. It's yeah, like, I, I think just if you if you go along the years, I think SummerSlam is actually a better indication of that year than the WrestleMania is, right? Sure. Yeah. WrestleMania, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, kind of, um, uh, you know, it's it's almost like a fiscal year, right? Uh, it it kind of ends one season, and then the day after, we, we you know we we start a, a season anew, uh, and uh, 
Yeah, I, there was some that I watched recently enough that I, I just kind of skimmed. Obviously, 2002 for this show, a podcast. I watched that, uh, you know, a little over a year ago now. And uh, right. uh, like you said, 98. For some reason, 95. I was just really curious. I wanted to watch... You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to watch some of the pay-per-views I would have seen advertised that I never saw as a kid, thinking like, oh, that's probably the best show ever. Right. And golly. Uh, so I, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. Especially, you know, obviously, especially going way back and having, like, Zeus in a SummerSlam match against yes. uh, Hogan and, and Randy Savage and just so many just stray observations of just what it was, wrestling-wise, to what it's become. Yeah. Obviously, wrestling matches in 88, 89, 90, you know, that era uh, were just, uh, you know, the, the psychology was just beat a guy up and uh, finish him off as, as quickly as possible. Like they were keeping they kept driving to a finish the entire match, uh, yeah. whereas now it's just get, like get as much stuff in as possible uh before i finished you know what i mean and it's it's a really interesting way of describing the ju- the du- juxtaposition of these things it's uh, just the evolution you know yeah. the oh uh, SummerSlam evolution uh it's the evolution mat of uh, of it i mean it's just how it how it uh how it goes along i mean the first match at SummerSlam 88 is the british bulldogs versus the rougeau brothers and it's a 10 minute time limit draw and it's just like yeah it's over they just wrestled until they were done that and no one's good. mad no one's mad about it I'm okay it, with a ten minute time it's, limit, especially it's, if it's, it's like whatever. Like it's I'm perfectly, it, yeah, it's perfectly fine, you know. And and obviously, two a huge difference is look, people thought it was real at a time, and and now right. obviously the the crowd is, uh, you know, a hundred percent smartened up to uh, what's going on. And I say now, but like really, Matt, like the last twenty years of wrestling have been eh, about the same. Even you know? here, right? Even 2003, what we're talking about here is kind of a similar thing. Yes. Yeah. I like the, the description. Yeah. WWE as it wishes it were. I mean, WrestleMania is often about making new new talent, new stars, right? I mean, we just saw WrestleMania 19 uh, on this podcast. You have Brock Lesnar being kind of anointed there. Mm-hmm. And that's like kind of being like, oh, that's who we hope for the future. But SummerSlam is just like, here's the guy who has the belt right now. He's either defending it. Sometimes it's the same guy from WrestleMania. Sometimes it's where you lose the belt, right? It's where... Uh, you well, you kind of go oh it's a nice big a nice big chunk of time but WrestleMania um, th- thirteen to SummerSlam ninety seven that's when Undertaker lost his belt that he won and that, there. that's, that's when you have the the whole you know I, I think in ninety seven as the U S Canada rivalry right uh, yeah it's such a it's such a big thing taking up the middle part of that year but Matt you mentioned Brock Lesnar I mean Brock Lesnar had his anointing first at SummerSlam two thousand two right. I mean he debuted after WrestleMania uh, you know we have Goldberg in the show tonight his first like. Well, not his first big pay per view match. Well, his first title match, right? Oh, I mean, at, on a big WWE. show. I mean, we had, he's he's been on Backlash before, but uh, that's not really that's Backlash not on the big against four. The Rock, but like you so, know, it's Goldberg, the first big four pay per view appearance. Yeah. yeah, Goldberg debuted after WrestleMania, so I found that uh, I, I found that uh, really interesting. And uh, you know, there were some good shows along the way. There were some shows that weren't as good. Uh, I mean, the main events of like ninety three, ninety four, ninety five are just. Like ninety three is Lex Luger and Yokozuna. Uh, Lex wins by count out, and no one mentions the fact that he'll never win the WWF title that way. And he right. celebrates, and he's so happy Huge about it. And as the show goes off the air, Ludwig Borga confronts him in in the uh, in the locker room. It's also weirdly very patriotic pay per view. Uh, yeah, like ninety three for some reason, it's all stars and stripesy and. Uh, 
even uh, though it's the, not near like it's not near any war really because they obviously no. the uh, <laughs> the, so the, the civilization stuff in 90 in the early 90s but not 93 2001 isn't very patriotic uh which is uh you know yeah precursor not on purpose but it's interesting given the time it takes place in Ooh. maybe three weeks before question for you weapon. yes how good is that 2001 uh the the kurt angle uh stone cold steve Austin match in that show that's a good match I think that's a good match. Yeah, that's a really good match. That's I mean, there's a lot of checking out. referee stuff, but I I just remember oh, I watched that recently. Bookie stuff, yeah, it's yeah, good. And then and then I think Rock and uh, Booker T kind of have a hard time following that. Yeah, it's it's match. a problem. But but they want to. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, but that's a good one. Go back and check that one out, guys. Um, it's 2001. Uh, is uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's cool. It's um, it, it is cool. You know, and, and just while we're on the subject of, like, Summer Slams, uh, mm-hmm. plural, right? We, we we think of 2002 as probably the best one, and uh, I think it is. I'd put yeah. 2000 pretty closely behind it. Sure, um, yep. You know, 2000 is very good, although it does have a Terry versus Cat stink face match, which doesn't have to happen. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's, there's something in the 99 uh, SummerSlam that would drive you crazy, Matt. It's Rock versus Billy Gunn in a Kiss My Ass match, and they say it's the first one. Uh, on uh, the WWS first ever Kiss My Ass match. But, Matt, there's a match, SummerSlam 97, that was a Kiss My Ass match that fe- featured no ass kissing. Can you guess which one? Yeah. Well, <laughs> someone was predisposed afterwards. The, uh, yeah. The, uh, well, now that one, arguably, wasn't that one title versus ass kissing? Uh, so we were talking, uh, folks. were talking about uh, Owen Hart versus uh, Steve Austin for the Intercontinental title, where yes. Steve gets uh, a tombstone pile driven, uh, his, his, the crown of his head smack into the mat and just he's just ktfo and just has such a neck problem that they just do like kind of a they keep the finish as it is and and he wins the intercontinental title and and he is clearly not well not the only time someone will get knocked out uh and should not have finished a match at SummerSlam. let's go to three years later in 2000 poor kurt angle gets pedigreed through a table that collapses and he is just not there and it's one of those really disturbing frightening things to see yeah, for sure. I mean, there was a uh, that's a crazy one too. There's a lot, there's a lot, a lot going on. There was uh, a the lot. Summer yeah, th- there, there's a lot going on. That SummerSlam 2000 is uh, they, they cut so many times to the angle with with Kurt Angle and Stephanie and Triple H. It's so funny how like they're just like, but you got to see this again. Like this is crazy. This is really nuts. Uh, and they have another kind of a through angle in this SummerSlam Matt tonight. Uh, not featured on our beloved SmackDown, but uh, there there is a character running roughshod. Uh, is it Goldberg? No, it's not, actually. Somebody else. Somebody, so another bald individual uh, raises hell, uh, raises Kane, so to speak. Damn it, I messed up. Ah, right, right, right. Well, I mean, let's talk about, I was trying to think about this, because I was like, I was like, how do I talk about SummerSlam 2003? Because I, re- I was, th- leading up to the show, I was like, I don't remember the show particularly well. I remember, as I'm watching these SmackDowns leading up to it, I'm like, okay, I remember 2003 being not great for wrestling. But then I'm watching these SmackDowns, and after you get out of the Judgment Day uh, cycle, there, it's actually pretty decent. It's not perfect. Uh, there's all sorts of things you don't like. I don't like Zach Gowan and the, and the McMahon stuff. But I'm like, it's actually pretty good. And then uh, watching this show tonight, I'm like, oh, I'm thinking mostly of Raw. And I'm oh, watching, and is... every time they watch, yes. every time Raw comes up on the show, I'm like, I I hate this. This is there's 2003 so as it is. This is this is 2003 <sighs> as it is, not as they want it to be, right? And. They uh, they raw load this show. I mean, spoiler alert for yes. Smack Addicts. There are only three SmackDown matches on this card. 
uh, and there's now, four raw matches, and one of them's a super sized, super stuffed elimination chamber. Yes, which you know, they they ba- they balanced it out better at Survivor Series, right? Um, they had the elimination chamber match there, but they also had. Uh, well, they had the, the the triple threat uh, tag team match tag team with match. the, with the SmackDown the, Six, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Brock Lesnar ha- versus uh, Big Show match. Yeah, that's right. There was the uh, Rey Mysterio. Kidman. Uh, no, it was the Kidman. Well, thank, thank Kidman you. Kidman yeah. Noble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, As I recall, and uh, there was I thought one more. Uh, crap. See, folks, I'm not on my Survivor Series kick right now. I'm on a, I'm on a SummerSlam kick. Yeah, wrong that's, ass. That's okay. Ass, but uh, but. Uh, Yes, it, uh, it it they loaded the wrong show, and and we could talk about Matt what they could have added to this show SmackDown wise to make it better yeah. because there's actually a number of things they could have done to make it better, and there's actually a number of things they wanted to do uh, from what I understand that they just didn't do, including a Ray Dragon match. Uh, Interesting, Dragon, comma, should... Ultimo. That one good. I would like that man. Dang. Um, yeah, watch this. I mean, there is the issue you run into when you have big elimination chamber matches, which is. You've got six guys locked really up in one like match. Three matches, right? Kind of, right? Like, kind like you of. can't. You, like you're like if you were going to do a really good, if you want to do Michaels Jericho two at SummerSlam, you can't because they're in the elimination chamber match. You can't like they're all your stuff is tied up in this. It's one of the reasons why um, December to December two thousand six is one of the worst shows they ever put on is because all of the talent that the WWE CW had at the time was locked into this chamber match. Literally, uh, and yeah. So yeah, so they're literally locked in. Locked in. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about Elimination Chamber stuff later on because I think it's interesting. This is the second one in nine months, and it's worth discussing. And we'll talk about it a little, little more in-depth, even though it is a Raw match. If you're just joining us on the podcast, guys, we are focusing on SmackDown. And as such, we aren't, aren't really going deep into the Raw matches. Though I will say, this show, we're going to talk about we're gonna talk about at least the finishes, and if so, more than that. Boy. So, let's get into it here. So, but first, I want to situate you guys. I want to talk about what happened on last week's episode of the podcast and on SmackDown. It was the go-home show for SummerSlam where Brock Lesnar destroyed Zach Gowan in front of his hometown fans and Zach's mother. Sable also offered to sleep with A-Train because he had flattened Stephanie the week before, which was something I was like, why would they bring that up? And then I think it's only to do something on this show. And finally, Kurt Angle beat Big Show in a street fight because he was a very angry man. Yeah. That's what happened last week. Did you watch last week's show, Will? I watch every show, Matt. I yeah, good. Pretty good show. Uh, Pretty good momming from Zach Owen's mom on the show. Wouldn't you say like like a pretty top tier in terms of believable and like oh, handling wow. it really well? Like she makes you know the, the, job. The, there's a sound that only mothers can make when they see their mm-hmm. children in distress, and she makes that noise. And it's something that when you hear it, it's like hearing a baby crying. It, it, it's it's one of those noises that we are actually lizard brain uh, mm-hmm. pre, um, predisposed to being affected by it, and we, yes. we maybe don't know why that kind of you know Matt. I had an acting coach who uh, ran a theater in Los Angeles and. You know, back in the day, he had a dog there, right? They had a theater dog. And uh, people would be on stage rehearsing, and uh, they could have, like, a yelling argument, screaming, going crazy. Uh, da, da, da. Dog be asleep, right? Because the dog right. isn't feeling it. But if people tapped into actual visceral feelings, the dog would look up and pay attention because something crazy. real was happening, right? Like, anyway, so so I like that. terrific <laughs> momming from Zach Allen's mom. I, I think I called it, Matt. I, I don't want to pat myself on the back too hard here. Very horrible wit style, SummerSlam 95. Uh, but I want to uh, mention that they, when they did mention they were going to Detroit, I was, well, I also remember it. I was like, I'm pretty sure this is where Brock absolutely destroys Zach Allen in front of, like, his mom. And, uh, and I was right. And, hey, Zach, credit to him. Kid can bleed good. Man, the kid can bleed oh, yeah. good. And he yeah. can he can bump well too. He um, bumps very he bumps well. Yeah, he he does. It's just uh, 
yeah, his uh, his he needs to work on his offensive arsenal. He needed a gun basically to fight uh, <laughs> to be you know bring bring a knife to a gunfight, bring a gun to a Brock Lesnar match. It's highly recommended, especially if you're a tiny uh, kid with one leg. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, now we do get we do get a little bit of Zach Gowan content here because first before we talk about SummerSlam 2003, we have to talk about Sunday Night Heat. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> and uh, tragically, I was unable to find video footage of Sunday Night Heat, which is rare. I can really? usually just type it. I know. I usually oh. get it for almost everything. It is dead simple. They are, WWE is not doing copyright strikes on Sunday Night Heats. Yeah. Uh, usually wow. it's super easy. Uh, I And I scoured the internet for it. I mean, I, I turned over every rock. You know, I looked over. You go, oh, oh, some Bitcoin under there. You go there. You pick. I, I flipped oh, over shoot. a couple of Board ape NFTs? No, no, I don't need that. I'm looking for SummerSlam. Uh, for, for, Do you get the, the, the Sunday Night Heat? The Sunday Night Heat NFT? You yeah, get the, you, you didn't get that. Uh, you went to the dark web, Matt. You know, Look, I did. I went to the dark smack web. Addicts. I'm we, very much the RCMP and the FBI and Interpol are all after me. But I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I just want Sunday Night Heat. I just want the Rey Mysterio versus Shannon Moore match. But before that, uh, Shannon. Moore. Something okay. Actually, what I found was maybe better because I love this too. Uh, I found a recap of Sunday Night Heat from 411 Mania. This is a, sh- uh, a site that used to host, I think it was some Scott Keith stuff as well. But uh, it Mania. had everything, and all of the archives and stuff are still up. And there, this is a time when guys would review the Heat before pay-per-views. It's amazing, because it even ends the thing by being like, okay, folks, enjoy the show tonight. And it's like, wow. like Because you're somebody like, I don't know, like if you're at work, you're a security guard, you don't work till 10 and you're watching, you're like, oh, I know what happened on Heat, because if you're a wrestling addict, you want to find out. Yeah. And yeah. so they, uh, Cole and Taz tell us on Heat, they say Zach Gowan's leg is broken in two places, which is always funny when they specify that, to be like, no, he's really hurt. It's like, one place is which, not enough. Also, which places? We know right. that there's like, at least there's three bones in the leg, right? Did he break his femur? Did he break his <laughs> fibula, his tibia? Like, what did he break? Probably not his like, femur, because that would be It seemed like he probably just hurt his knee. Like, even, like, Brock Lesnar F5'd his leg into the uh, into the post a couple times. Like, he should just have, like, yeah. a dislocated knee, mm-hmm. uh, which would also be bad. He's got one leg. And so, despite the fact that Zach Gowan's match against Zach, uh, Matt Hardy tonight isn't happening, Matt Hardy still comes out. Uh, and he, they so show course, this on the show. This is why I know this They happens. show part of it. I'm going to go into more detail. They have yeah, Matt Facts. Matt, Matt's opponents often no-show because of fear, which I think <laughs> is kind of funny. And Matt has the memory of an elephant, kind of whatever. That's like a, sure, that's like yeah. a restaurant, uh, like card, like flip over. Like, oh, there we go. Do you know? Do you know an elephant's it's actually the, got more brains than a? It's in the coffee news. That that's like a random. <laughs> exactly. It's like the coffee news. Thank you. Shout out to uh, coffee news. And so I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna kind of channel my inner will here because someone has uh, transcribed verbatim Matt Hardy's uh, little promo he does here. He it. says, "Zach, attack. Where are you? I know everyone wondering if Zach Gowan's gonna come out here tonight because." It, Tonight, because of his minor injuries, he suffered at the hands of Brock. Whatever. I like the minor injuries part. Last Thursday on SmackDown, I hurt my neck, but Matt Hardy's still here. Mattitude's still here. Zach, I know you're missing one leg and the other one's broken, but you still got two perfectly good arms. I'm sure between both of our injuries, we can have a great competitive, entertaining matchup. But it's not going to happen, is it, Zach? You're not going to allow that to happen because everything I've said about you the past few weeks has been absolutely true. Zach Allen doesn't belong in the WWE. Oh. You see, real wrestlers compete whether they're hurt or they're not, but I guess Zach, the novelty act... God, I hate winning by forfeit, but go ahead and do your thing, ref. Go ahead and make this happen. <laughs> That's the part they show on the show. They do. Uh, so I hate this stuff because, Matt, when does a, when does a match begin? And we, we had a, this, this issue with a pay-per-view recently where people hmm. just ring in the bell whenever. Does the match begin, Matt, when both competitors are inside the ring and the ref sees them both and the ref says ring the bell? I'm pretty sure... 99 point a million percent of all the matches that have ever happened take place like that. But WWE does do this sometimes. They'd be like, 
you know, especially on TV, they're like, oh, Dewdrop can't come out. Start counting, ref. And the ref's like, what else am I to do? One, two. And they count right. the 10, like, I guess they're counting out, you know? Right. You're gonna re- in theory, you should ring the bell to do that. You should be like, okay, the match started, even though you're not here. They're yeah, not, it doesn't make sense. There. Like, yeah, not there. You no, you're right. You can't have a match somebody's not there. Do we so watch Matt Yes. Wins by forfeit. And the ref does the ref then just declare him the winner and raise his hand? I believe so. He re- he t- I, I have here he says he wins by forfeit and celebrates. So I think he acts <laughs> like he won a repro- the true heel move. You you for- you win by forfeit and you you gotta celebrate a real match there. I mean he hates to win by forfeit, but sure. The way yeah. he delivers that, nah, I hate to win my fourth. It's very disingenuous, very funny. Uh, <laughs> Matt uh, returning uh, to SummerSlam as a heel. Yes. He's a heel in SummerSlam 99 with Brother Jeff. Weird to see the Hardy Boys as heels in a tag team turmoil match. Strange. Uh, big time Big time faces in 2000, though. They're at home. Uh, uh, just uh, Carolina. I mean, come on. TLC one. Are you kidding me? Huge. Also on a Sunday Night Heat, Rey Mysterio went up against Ultimo. Mm, no, Shannon Moore. Ah. Uh. Uh, and so I have to quote the 411 recap again. Uh, Ray ends up with a head scissors takedown of Shannon into a 619 position. 619 connects, and Ray hits a semi botched West Coast pop from the top rope for the win. Oh. Uh, so I'm not sure if that means he did a springboard West Coast pop or he did it from the ropes. I'm not sure how botched it was. Sometimes that happens. Uh, Probably anyway, botched in the, in the in the in the flip around, right? That's usually I, where usually that's there's a flip. It doesn't get enough. You, you kind of like you don't have the nice snap of the roll up to get into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's too bad. And uh, so, well, let's get into this week's episode of SummerSlam 2003. <laughs> this week's episode of SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. This I'm year's excited. episode, I guess. Um, that's what they, on Peacock, apparently, that's what they do. They, they, they say, like, season 22 of SummerSlam. Because <laughs> their formatting is so so focused on TV, and it's like, okay. Well, the network's great. changed it, so it now it doesn't say PBV anymore. It says Premium, which conjures to mind Snake from The Simpsons. She needs premium, dude. Premium. <laughs> I when that when I saw that changed over, I was like, I, I took a second. And I was like, mm, that makes sense. I'm fine with that. Because uh, yeah. you know, one of the things that's on there that I discovered, if you go to 1986, it has the big event, which was the uh, WWE show in Toronto, which I haven't seen, but I, I now it's on my list because I know it's on there. And that was never on pay per view. That was a house show. They had and, something house, in oh, like their advertising in '89. It was like a Hulk Hogan. Uh, what would have you know back in 2003? I guess have been a DVD. It was called like the big, not the big. Maybe that was called the big event too. But it's something on pay per view. It was like a Hulk Hogan documentary on pay per view. Like, please buy this next month. Oh gosh, it's the uh, you, you know late '80s, early '90s. The technology we have it's so funny watching every SummerSlam being like, join us again. Thanksgiving Eve for Survivor Series. <laughs> like, like, we got some time. You get to start school. Time. It's gonna be Halloween is gonna happen. There was one might WrestleMania have a... they signed off. They're like, we'll see you at next WrestleMania. <laughs> like, what? Oh my gosh! <laughs> is something going on until then? We don't want to make any more money. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and so we opened SummerSlam 2003, uh, not with a video package, but with a color guard from a nearby military base and Lillian Garcia singing the national anthem. Again, just oddly patriotic. I think 97 or 96 started with the, uh, the National Anthem as well. Well, this is the middle. Well, Iraq War started this year. So this the, one makes – well, this huge. makes sense. I mean, yeah. hey, JR said March 30th, 2003, go over there, kick their butts. Let's end this thing quick. You're doing yeah, the right thing. Let's yeah, let's go home. Let's do it. Just like, I, just like I said on March 14th, 2020, I said, let's get COVID over. Let's do it. Let's kick his ass. To flatten the curve. Let's go. That's it. That curl will be flat on his back. March 14th, uh, 2020. Imagine that's your birthday, man. Well, oof. Oof. Old now. Uh, I can't help but notice that Howard Finkel introduced Lillian Garcia, so they must have made up since last year's SummerSlam. That's right. Yeah. Good. That's, that's when, good. 
We it's heard uh, Howard Fingle talk about uh, some, he made some sort of dog joke because Trish Stratus had the puppies. And, he... and I've got my wiener, as he said. Oh, boy. Is... Look, Howard is very involved in SummerSlams. 98, of course, Matt. You remember that? Yes. He's involved in the mm-hmm. uh, uh, He's a DX Jeff member, Jarrett. really. <laughs> he was, yeah. Oh, Sporting a sweet new haircut there in Madison Square Garden. Oh, gosh, it's true. Now, i got to say, Lindley Garcia, she crushes the national anthem. She's got a fantastic voice. Uh, always a treat to hear somebody who is uh, just a, a knockout musician do well, even with the national anthem. is very fun. Yeah, she's uh, she's great. She maybe puts a little bit too much stank on it, but it's oh, yeah. she's I mean, a that's, fantastic singer. I mean, that that's the song the, you put some stank on. I've heard it, I've heard yeah. some like uh, Canuck singers and, uh, singing O Canada with too much stank, and I'm just like, it's too stanky. Just sing. Oh, man. I think I remember. I remember one time watching a hockey game, not in person, and I think the, I think they did the they did the Star Spangled Banner on the harmonica, and I was like, okay, <laughs> and they did the uh, Oh Canada on the electric guitar, and I was, was like, it Neil Young, no, <laughs> no, that'd be great. It was like you know, it was like it was like Jack Schmucky and Joe, yeah, it was like one Jack anyway. Schmucky. Canadian Idol season two winner Jack Schmucky. Jack Schmucky, uh, yeah, his band uh, Carpalms were. It's very good. <laughs> I'm a big fan of them. So we fade into a video package that uses the beach from the Silly Brock Lesnar Shark commercial, but then we get an Irish guy narrating over footage that has been desaturated. It's black and white footage from recent shows. It includes Brock Lesnar attacking Zach Gowan, Eric Bischoff kissing Linda McMahon, which I wrote down. Oh, no, what have we missed? Oh, and we boy. also see footage of the Elimination Chamber because we've got an Elimination Chamber here tonight. The footage includes bells tolling. The, the phrase for whom the bell tolls is mentioned. Caskets lowering in the earth. I mean, it's a very much like a Judgment Day Armageddon-y kind of thing. It's kind of strange to do it for SummerSlam, but they, I guess they just want to make it seem epic and, you know, like the Elimination Chamber has a lot of weight, a lot of deadly weight. Not as cool as the SummerSlam 2000 intro with Fred Blassie and uh, it's oh, yeah. in black and white and it's a very much like French uh, avant-garde style opening mm. with like a weightlifter and an old lady there and it's just it's just very strange. Now, Matt... Yes. I had an observation about this opening. Is there anything about it that seems odd to you? Are we going to be talking? Is it, is it the theme song like yet? He, no. Does he seem like he just stops talking in the middle of it? Uh, what does he say? Do you, know what he, do you know what was missing? He says a lot more stuff. He says a bunch more stuff. None of it I don't find objectionable. There okay. is something he says at the very end that's really cool. He says, War never decides who is right, only who's left. Right. Good phrase. So maybe that, maybe that. that's why I got cut. But he's just like, you know, talk about the Illumination Chamber. He's like, designed by the devil himself and played in by rogues. You know, just just all that hyperbole stuff he'd been saying before. But for some reason, on the network version, they just cut it off in You half. know what, though? They have softened some of the Illumination Chamber tone and talk. Uh, I noticed because they cut out a whole promo for it a few SmackDowns ago. And so I don't know if they, there is a mindfulness around... I don't know. That's, there was a hubbub. I mean, at the time of the recording, it was, it was just recently or something like that. But sometimes people kind of get into it where it's like Elimination Chamber. It sounds kind of similar to the Holocaust in some ways, okay. which is a very, very dark thing, mm. very dark thought to think about, something I don't really – haven't thought that much about. Yeah. And I think – I so think Meltzer was saying, okay. I would say in fairness to, to WWE, and I know people like to give absolutely no uh, fairness to them, whatever, because people are uh, whiny uh, – Elimination Chamber, it makes sense on the, the surface of it. Like, just it's, it, it is a, a, a cage, a chamber. You know, we're talking about structures. They always have just describe the structure. It, it, you're, People you're are getting in eliminated. chambers in the cage, and you get eliminated as the yeah. match goes on. Yeah. Well, it's like, I mean, it's like yeah. wrestling is it's, it's a worked combat sport. So there's things called death matches, and we're not getting rid of death matches just because other people also die. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's a certain amount of leeway we have to give things. Uh, uh, but curious yeah. to me that they are softening 
elimination chamber phrasing all over the place. I, I don't necessarily know why. That's really curious. I, I'd love to get a sense of it, but it, maybe that's not it. Maybe I'm reading into that too much, but I've seen a very similar that's, things happening. That has to be it because I didn't I it find it inflammatory. It's not like uh, – you know, he doesn't go on to say like, and then there's Chris Benoit who loves his family so much. He doesn't like do anything like that. I know, yeah, exactly. He's just kind of like, like Lord. a good man and a better father. Yeah, it was just so odd to me uh, that he just like stops halfway through and like the thing's still going. Like, and I've oh, seen, yeah. Matt, we've seen our fair share of video packages here in WWE. Like, we know that they just like they fill the air with as many words as possible. Like, oh yeah. Yeah, it was so odd to me. It's a, it's a maximalist kind of tone with it. I thought you were uh, you were making uh, reference to the theme for the pay review, which is not show up. You watch it on the network, yeah. Uh, which is Metallica's "Saint Anger," which I believe is supposed to show up here a few times on the broadcast because there's a few more than a few times where we just hear generic kind of rock music instead of I don't know something that they would actually promote. Yeah, it uh, is nowhere on the show. They never mention the song at all. Obviously, it's one of those songs they cut out uh, and just replace. You know. A month ago at Vengeance, they cut out Stain's uh, song. Uh, this St. Anger song would have played over the uh, Brock Lesnar, like all over both title match uh, video right. packages. And I went to YouTube. I didn't scour Matt as, as much as you would have, but I tried to find a version of it with the original St. Anger, and I couldn't find it. With the, what are the video packages with that on? I it? could not. I could okay. not find it. Not even a fan edit or anything. So instead of St. Anger, which you know, whatever you think about that uh, song and album, it's a better song. Than the song we get, which is just generic song. <laughs> yeah. Generic, you know, uh, Hoop Jams number 24 or whatever it's called. You know, like it's, it's just achingly most... generic. <laughs> oh, it's it, it's 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 bad. Uh, at least the St. Angerness like adds some like kind of credibility to the show. And then this just makes yeah. kind of an eh show worse. This, it does. This, this it... generic uh, blah song. It really does. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. The tone, I still find the tone strange for that. Um, just an interesting choice there. And after the package, we hear, and now, Raw and SmackDown presents SummerSlam. And the pyro goes off, and we're live on pay-per-view, a premium live event, in Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> JR, uh, yeah. Yes, I, I just want to make a quick observation about the arena. So this is obviously where the Suns play in Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, they had a couple SummerSlams. I think it was 94, oh, man. One was at uh, United Center, and one was at Gund Arena in Cleveland. Those 90s arenas were huge. I think 97 was Gund Arena because it had the smoking guns race the, the Godwins to uh, the arena. One took the train, one oh, took the train. Oh, that'd be 96, right? Because 97 96. SummerSlam was in uh, uh, New Jersey. Uh, was it, oh, and that place is huge too. The Meadowlands. Yes. That place yeah. is enormous. They've had a couple. I think they did 89 there as well. Oh, yeah. 88, and uh, a couple of them were at um, Madison Square Garden. Obviously, 92 famously at Wembley Stadium. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, those '90s arenas, Matts were, uh, were were enormous. Like they're brand new. Huge. United Center's huge, and somehow yeah. they, I think the United Center was '94. Yeah, it was Undertaker, Undertaker '94. Right. Uh, there's absolutely massive. I think they did some in Philly. Uh, I digress. Uh, here we are. Yeah, in uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, sixteen thousand on hand for for this uh, show. Yeah, it's big. That's a big a big arena there. Uh, JR and Lawler, they talk about the Elimination Chamber. They throw to Cole and Taz, who mentioned Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar. They throw it over to the special announcers after that. Yeah. And then, yeah, well, let's talk about the set here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've got we've got the green and blue uh, SS SummerSlam logo. Uh, it's surrounded by scaffolding with some little screens on the floor. I think there's a screen above it. Nothing really special. doesn't really stand out to me. No, they, they, they took the SummerSlam SS out of, um, out of the warehouse that they've had there since 2000. 
Yeah. Well, 2000 uh, was a different color. 2000 uh, was slightly yellowier. Yellowy. Which I enjoyed. Uh, I, I but, I th- but I think that might be just on the apron. I think maybe the SS was the same color. Um, oh, interesting. But, uh, yeah, so they've done some configuration of the SS with, like, screens. Something they do in 2003 for some reason. They like putting the year 2003 all, all over everything. I think they really? do that for, like, Unforgiven and stuff. Yeah, I've noticed that. They, they like the 2003 for, for some reason. They want you to know very, it's this year. Pr- they're very proud of the year. But the, and then they has like, some, uh, some lights kind of on the side, like some kind of, like, light tower things. Kind of hard to right. describe. Uh, yeah. You know, decent enough set, but nothing uh, spectacular. I think a couple years later in uh, 2005 or six, they'd add some surfboards. Uh, and then and kind of get into the summer theme a little bit more. Kind which, of bash uh, the beachy kind of thing. I was going to say, more, man, yeah. you know. Oh, man, when are they going to do SummerSlam on a beach, Matt? Come on. Let's or get Beach Rene- Blast, even. Renegade versus Paul Orndorff. Run that one back. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. I'm into I'll watch it. That's uh, okay. Well, i got to watch it in heaven now with Paul Orndorff, sadly, but uh, that's oh okay. Oh, my God, Matt. Well, you don't have to be in heaven, man. You're here. That's okay. <laughs> oh, oh no, no, speaking no. of, yeah, Paul, we can get the ghost, Paul Orndorff. We do talk to ghosts on this show. We're very good at uh, doing that. It does happen. That's right. When I have guests, ghosts, ghosts, go, so ghosts. Our first match of the night is Dudley Boys. There is pointedly no the. It's just Dudley Boys versus La Rizzi Stomps for the World Tag Team Titles. Those are the Raw titles. Uh, Bubba Devon come out. They have a U.S. flag because you you just got them against La Rizzi Stomps. They're just a bunch of French jerks. Well, Matt, and also the fans are so into it. There's a sign that says "3D the Frogs." 3D the frogs just just, just saying racist <laughs> things about French people. Just to be clear, I don't French isn't a race, so they can't be racing against French people. So I'm not a actually offended about that. Uh, uh, we see last week there was a fake American serviceman, <laughs> aka Conquistador number 47, I yes. believe. Yeah, <laughs> Rob Conway, who we saw on SmackDown a few weeks ago oh, with man. Uh, what happened? Future Conquistador ways, man. Uh, and I just love this. Like the, the Dudleys take this the serviceman out of the crowd and he turns on them. And it's funny. It's like the fans are like, okay, like I guess that wasn't nice, uh, strange. And like here he is. He's not even like. It would make more sense to me if he was like, my name is Stefan Lebo. He'd be like, oh yeah, my gosh, he's secretly French. American. Yeah, he's Rob Conway. It's like what? Like they often dilute these like anti-American things where they always like bring an American in to be like, I don't like America either. Yeah, even though yeah. I'm from here. And you're like, okay. like Sergeant Slaughter, Iraqi sympathizer. That's right. Uh, the World Tag Team title graphics are still way out of date. They've Ugh. had new belts since horrible. Uh, I think horrible. since uh, November or October. Like it's it's, cra- it's almost a year now. Yeah, it's, it's so crazy. Bad. Uh, so this is a raw match, and it's not one I want to really talk about because we're going to talk about the Elimination Chamber later on, and so we're going to skip to the end. Please. So Bub and Devon get a 3D on Rene Dupree, but Sylvain Grenier comes in and he pulls the ref off. Um, I'm just going to say here, too, I feel like pulling the ref out of the ring during a pin should essentially just reward the match to the pinning wrestler. Like, I think that's one of those things where referees will often get pulled out of the ring and they'll be like, hey, man, what gives? Instead of being like, okay, then you, the other person won the match. It's like those situations in hockey. It's like the, where where they'll uh, reward a goal. I think if you, like, throw your stick at a puck yeah. that's, that's coming toward then it's like, no, you just get a goal now. There you go, I pal. think that would make sense. Yeah. Uh, and so <laughs> the referee is distracted by that. And so a long-haired cameraman runs into the ring and hits Devon with a camera, which looks like a like a like a Canon DSLR kind of thing. It's not like a not like a big wacky TV camera. It's like a uh, yeah, it's like a photography camera. Well, I uh, think uh, I think uh, King says Devon gets knocked out by a Nikon. Right. I don't think he could read the Nikon on his little uh, screen at the time. I don't think he's. I don't know. It could be Nikon. I don't think. I don't think a, some, uh, a ringside photographer would have a Nikon at the time. Uh, I don't know. 
So Renee gets put on top. Photographers use these days. Yeah, Renee gets put on top, and he can get the one, two, three. And the camera guy is also Rob Conway, whose gimmick is currently pretty close to Gene Parmesan from Arrested Development. <laughs> Gene <laughs> just shows up. And just keeps I'm actually being... uh, just taking photos of the match. Actually, I'm not Rob Conway. How you doing? <laughs> Very close to, uh, and that's why you don't uh, try and to teach someone you, a lesson. That's why you don't yell. That's right. Uh, coach stops the Dudleys to interview them, and he and, and says La Resistance is clever, which leads to Bubba Dudley uh, randomly accusing Coach of being anti-American. He just kind of got a hair trigger finger there, which is saying, "Oh, you're anti-American if you do that." It's it's like, maybe a bit wow. of foreshadowing too for Mister Coach later on in the show, Matt. Yeah, it was because I'm coming into, I'm dipping into raw stuff, and like I'm never like I'm never like Coach is great, but is Coach supposed to be like, just like a good dude here? He's supposed to just be a good dude, yeah. Because he, 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 no, he, that's, he, that's the that is such a heel move to be like, call the uh, evil French guys who super cheated. Uh, they're kind of clever, right? It's like what? No. Look, it may that that's something that would flash me back to like the early Summer Slams where you would talk to the guy before a match, and then sometimes you'd be in the locker room and talk to the guy after the match. I love that. And uh, also watching those, Matt. Can you think of the the locker room set I'm talking about? Uh, I think roughly, know, yeah. Picture the picture the blue lockers with like the the powder blue center blocks. Uh, yeah. I'm such an idiot. I just realized that's a set. It's yeah, not that's not even the it's locker often, room. It's not there either. It's often well, they used to shoot some of that stuff in Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this they, they just have these these bring these the, the flats with them to set them up wherever in the arena, and then yeah, they make it look that's like so a good. locker room. Oh, man, I'm such a rube. It's Which like, is also wow, funny. All these play- metal, uh, the Meadowlands, Madison Square Garden, Philadelphia Spectrum, they all have the same. <laughs> they exact all look the same. It's really crazy. Act- they- Wembley, England. Wow. Extra funny to me because you are a guy who's literally been on sets. Uh, so you should recognize that a bit more. This is my, my, my secret chain, man. Yeah, apparently. Uh, and so we, we next we go backstage. We see Eric Bischoff is doing karate moves before he gets interrupted <laughs> by Christian, it's like the Mac Intercontinental Champion. Uh, Christian introduces himself. He says he's mad. He's not headlining the show. And heck, he doesn't even have a match. Well, he's uh, supposed to. And Bischoff blames his co-general manager, Steve Austin, which Christian accepts immediately. <laughs> so, uh, yes. uh, SummerSlam. Who, who, was he supposed to face somebody? Yeah, he was supposed to face Booker T. Uh, they they had Booker like, T? Did he have COVID or something? He had COVID. Yeah, he, he, he was 2003 COVID? Yeah. He he had had SARS, oh no. Oh no. He died. Uh, no, he was. Uh, he, I think he had uh, back problems uh, throughout okay. the summer. And uh, Christian Here's... won that Intercontinental title uh, at a, I think it was Des Moines, Iowa house show, and uh, was crowned Intercontinental title uh, off of Booker T there. And there was oh, to so have a match so for it. so hold on. So he he won. I saw him win the title at, at uh, Judgment Day, but he had since lost it. Is that right? Or maybe or maybe retained it. I'm not sure. But maybe okay, since lost it. Maybe they're hot shotting it okay. around. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Who knows. Interesting, interesting stuff there. Um, yeah, so yeah, Christian is yeah, he's mad he doesn't have a match here. Uh, but I, I also like Bischoff's just like, look, Austin didn't do it, and Christian's like, okay, cool, <laughs> great, <laughs> acceptable. Yeah, uh, he offers to help Bischoff with his match against Shane McMahon later tonight. And Bischoff says he's got a thing in the works already, which I'm only realizing now what that was. Yeah, uh, str- that makes sense. St- strong, uh, yeah, strong. Ask your mom energy there from uh, Eric Bischoff talking about you know it's Steve Austin's fault. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, at least he has that option there. Uh, and Christian also asks Bischoff if he quote sealed the deal with Linda and Eric says he'll tell everyone very soon. So there is, we'll, we'll talk to about it more when it happens there. But, uh, uh, Eric Bischoff went to the McMahon house and, uh, kissed Linda on television and is now insinuating that he did more than just kiss her there. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, 
Yeah. I don't know that what, what would make Vince more mad, the fact that he beat him for 83 weeks, or if he liked to slip with his wife at all. <laughs> kind of, kind of a uh, question of what's what's Vince's uh, priorities, what he cares about. Uncle. That's right. So next up here, we have A-Train versus The Undertaker. Ooh, SmackDown match. And so, that's right. And so instead of uh, instead of there being a video package, we have Michael Cole who is narrating the clips to us. And so we see A Train smashing Stephanie at Vengeance. Sorry, like running into Stephanie running at into Vengeance. Her. Yeah, <laughs> not, not, not to use the Jersey Shore uh, colloquialisms. A <laughs> Train attacked Undertaker during a match with John Cena, and then he smacked Taker with a piece of wood during his match with Big Show. He just walked through the crowd with a piece of wood. He hit him with it. <laughs> And, a, and Undertaker's ouchie was too much to bear, and he had to get counted out. He which snapped is too bad it on him. his back. He hurt his ribs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a two by four. Could have been a two by six. I love, I love when you just have like a piece of wood. You're like, where did he get that? It was just backstage, just loose wood backstage. They're like, building a new it? locker room set. For, yeah, a pallet or something. You know, went to set the set deck and just grab that. He went to the boiler room of uh, Gundarina, Matt. In Ninety. You know what someone should do? Someone should go and they should get a. Uh, a burlap sack and fill it with the hockey pucks in the freezer and beat somebody with it. That would work very well. That would kill a guy. <laughs> that would hurt so much. <laughs> That's a vulcanized rubber to the ribs. This could be great to hear sometime with vulcanized rubber. Oh, uh, Who's making it look like Chuck Plon out there? Uh, very, yeah, you have to do that too. Very much so. Uh, uh, it looks like you went one-on-one with Bob Probert. Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, so when A-Trade comes out, Sable follows behind him about 20 feet or so. Sure. And uh, we're reminded that Sable gave A-Train her hotel room key last week on SmackDown. And uh, her presence here kind of suggests that things went well for both of them in the hotel room, I guess. I mean, uh, you know, we saw a hint of it when Sable was kneading uh, A-Train's um, ample breasts with, uh, like, they were big pieces of bread or something like that. Or like this <laughs> gigantic chest this this yes. man michael cole said that she she like was tweaking his nipples and i'm like he she i don't think she did i think no. you're thinking of shaniker not shaniqua uh, basham, basham brothers get your uh basham get your boys. bdsm people <laughs> straight here michael cole come on Some man. gaslighting sable and the thing and that she tweaked his nipples <laughs> such a strange detail uh undertaker <laughs> comes out we see a hint of tape on undertaker's ribs which cole and taz point out uh you know a little bit of gimmick infringement for uh ddp i would say I would, I would say so. I mean, Undertaker, hey, Undertaker got stole that gimmick from him in the 2001 after beating him uh, so badly in the cage. That's right. He's just kept that for a while. Uh, so when the match begins, A-Train gets a shoulder block at one point, and, A-Train, and Cole calls A-Train a, quote, former college football star. I don't know if A-Train was a star in college football. I know that he uh, ended up on a practice squad, I think, for the uh, the Chargers. Chargers. I don't, know if I, I don't think I would say he was a star in college. I feel like we, like, you know, Ron Simmons was a star in college. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Who like you can, it? like you can go if you go online and search like Matt Bloom, uh, like Pitt, f- f- like football, you get almost no results. I would argue that that makes you not a star. If I mm. can't even find information about you on there, so t- Tony Syracuse would be a bigger star from Pitt. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Uh, Taker gets a Russian leg sweep and a DDT on Undertake uh, on a trade rather, which gets two. He did not DDT himself. Uh, that'd be hard to do. <laughs> Kind of reach over your head and drop yourself. Is Undertaker uh, such a good wrestler that he can DDT himself? That's the question. Yeah, it's like it's like Emma Roberts at the end of Scream Four. I mean, Undertaker uh, did literally wrestle himself at this event, so let's not <laughs> discount anything here, folks. Good point. Okay? Very good point. Yeah. Uh, Undertaker gets his rope walk arm hit thing, which I refuse to call old school. Uh, uh, Adrian, I, got, I have it on my notes here as old school, man. No, come on. Should did he yell old school? He, used to, he starts yelling old school at some point. or I don't know if he's done that at this point or what, but sometimes he would just start yelling old school, and you're like, please stop. Don't do that. Well, Matt, I got to tell you, man, it's not until uh, Thanksgiving Eve that we lose our fair undertaker, okay? So enjoy the remaining time. 
that you have with this version of Mark. Right. That's a very serious thing to think about, is that we yeah. only have him for so long. He might get buried alive, which is really tragic. Oh, man. We can only, we can only imagine. Uh, and so A-Train uh, gets a suplex on Undertaker, uh, and then he, he headbutts him, which allows uh, Michael Cole to deem A-Train's head to be like a typewriter. I still don't really know what that means. I mean, I imagine typewriter is big and heavy, but uh, I think typewriter is being bigger than a human head. Taz tries to makes fun of T- uh, Cole for that uh, kind of anachronism, right? It's a uh, uh, typewriter, very old. So Taz wants to make it sound like it's a computer. And Michael Cole's like, well, thank you, Bill Gates. <laughs> Great reference, Bill Gates there. Uh, Undertaker drops A-Train face first in the turnbuckle, hits Snake Eyes. Uh, I wanted to clarify that because people have just said Snake Eyes. I don't know if it's always clear to people what that means. But A-Train dodges a boot and they do a double clothesline. They lay down for a little bit. They get the double count there. And then Undertaker... I mean, he starts to uh, he, he he starts he takes, to summon he, the spirit of someone else here. He takes up. <laughs> he does. He does take up here because he gets a big boot and a leg drop, brother. Oh, but brother! A train kicks out at two. Oh, despite come on, who kicks take out? Take doing a full Hogan. Although I say going full Hogan <laughs> means you do a big boot and a leg drop and you say the N word. Um, yeah. you, you should not do. <laughs> and Sue Gawker. Yes, um, but but win and so that's good for him ultimately. Um, Undertaker goes he for a last loses. ride on. He goes for a last ride on A-Train, but he gets pushed off and into the referee, who is shaken up. Uh, A-Train gets the derailer choke bomb, but the referee is slow to count, and the referee uh, and Taker kicks out at two. Strange the referee kicked out. Uh, Undertaker <laughs> misses a clothesline on A-Train. He hits the referee again, oh. who flips all the way around. Good job, Brian Habner, for taking that the way you want to. What a worker. And A-Train gets a bicycle kick, and then he gets a chair outside the ring. Uh, Taker kicks that into his face, though, and the referee gets a slow count, but he only gets two. Oh. And so Undertaker goes for a tombstone. A-Train pushes off of him. So Undertaker grabs a choke slam and he gets the one, two, three. This is a time, yeah, when Undertaker would win matches periodically from a choke slam, especially if it was from a bigger dude. But, uh, you know, choke slam usually good for two count, here good for three. Uh, and that would yeah. happen every now and then. Pretty pretty much a, an impossible guy to last ride uh, and uh, a very, very difficult man to tombstone. Uh, it is. I did A-train. see that. I'm watching it when he's doing, when he's kind of, uh, when he's teasing doing these things, and I'm like, oh, I don't. Hmm, interesting. I don't think I, I, I'm not looking at that and being like, oh, it's ha- happening for sure. Well, and so if yeah. he has hurt ribs too, I mean, how is his yeah, lifting? Smart. Yeah, like how 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 good is his lifting? It shouldn't be good. He should pick him up and go, ow, my ribs. Right. That that so maybe I shouldn't my do entire mid core. Like yeah. it hurts. Yeah. Especially, and he goes for it after the match too. At the time he where does. he doesn't need to he do it, he drops right up after. Draws, he drops the straps, goes to the last round on A-Train, but Sable comes in. She tries to seduce Undertaker. Oh, she tweaks his and, nipples. And he, he feigns interest. She gets like an ice cube out uh, and a candle with wax. Uh, he, Undertaker feigns interest in Sable before he grabbing her by the throat. And then we hear Stephanie McMahon's music, who is back after being beat up by A-Train. This is the second time in recent weeks that Stephanie McMahon has come back suddenly after A-Train injured her. Yeah, she did that before on SmackDown. And so she's back. Stephanie comes in. She spears and attacks Sable before A-Train drags Sable to safety. And uh, Michael Cole says, that's one hell of a combination of the ring right now, Stephanie and The Undertaker, which I do not know what he means. (laughs) What the hell do you mean? My question is, you know, after, I mean, when they went through the curtain after, I think when Undertaker asked Stephanie, he said, where to, Stephanie? (laughs) Uh, That makes sense. They never never make enough hand of that. It's like, you trying to marry me when I was a a kid. Look, Steph's well, had a hell of a time at uh, at SummerSlams, man. Nineteen ninety nine, yeah. her brother fought her boyfriend for the rights to her. Right, you know, two thousand. She had men fighting over her. 
Yeah, that was uh, probably one of, one, of, one of peak uh, peak Stephanie, honestly. There, two thousand one, she gets a, a surprise kiss by Chris Jericho as she met, you know uh, manages Rhino. Uh, two thousand two, right. she's backstage with Bischoff the whole time, and now is here that, she finally that, gets one up. The Jericho Rhino match isn't that weirdly weird? Like not a great match, as I recall, or is like super the middle, botchy, maybe. So the middle rope in SummerSlam two thousand two is way too loose. So anytime you springboard oh, okay. off two thousand one, the yeah two thousand one, sorry. Anytime you springboard off that middle rope, it touches the bottom rope. So oh, I know wild. Jericho botched uh, some, uh, you know, a springboard moonsault, not quite a lion salt. I think it was one that Rhino caught him, and uh, they edited around it. Uh, but uh, yeah, it wasn't fantastic because the yeah. ring wasn't put together right. Yeah, always weird to go back and watch it and be like, am I, how much am I seeing edited here? There's some edited stuff on this show as well, as we've already talked about. But we There's something edited on this show yeah. that is shown on the WWE YouTube channel. Yes, that's right. That is true. Thank you. You're right. It's on the official YouTube channel. And the entrances for the uh, Chamber match is not there. That's right. Why? It's so strange. Uh, So that's what we we won't see. But I'll tell you what we do see next, which is Chris Jericho stretching backstage. Speaking of Jericho, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this is like, they're doing the thing which they did, I believe, in Survivor Series 2002 as well, where they are showing each guy in the Elimination Chamber match. They're backstage somewhere. I remember, I, I believe, Kane, uh, back when he was masked and a good guy, he was kind of like in a dark area stretching. Uh, Rob Van Dam was probably doing some sort of splits thing. He I mean, we had splits on the chair. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Jericho so they're all doing there. their thing. So yep. Jericho is here. Uh, Coach is at ringside and he asks a couple in the front row, which. This is so funny. I keep looking back. Coaches at ringside to establish the fact that coaches are ringside. We're essentially yes. being like, this yeah. is Chekhov's coach location. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Coaches at ringside. He asks a couple in the front row who they think will win the Elimination Chamber tonight, and they both agree it'll be Goldberg, which I think makes sense. These are the white trashest looking people I've ever seen. <laughs> I gotta tell you. So, what was that? Well, I could barely hear, barely hear you, buddy. What'd what did you say about those? These are the, these are wild. Classiest people I've ever seen. I mean, they look like they probably supported Goldberg back in like '98. You know, they might have been found like at a road wild or a hog wild, whatever they ended up calling that. Look, there's Um, a uh, there's a a contest at SummerSlam '96 where, oh no, '97, where you can win a million dollars. Yep, yep, yep. And there's like (laughs) there's two people at the arena, and then for some reason they make Pettengill call people on the phone, and people at the (laughs) arena have to watch this. Anyway, one of the guys who's there for the contest is, look, the most wrestling fan-looking guy you could ever think of. And then there's, like, a little kid. And the wrestling, like, fan-looking guy is, like, Sonny is, like, holding him. And I'm like, like uh-huh. oh, Sonny, what did you put well, you on that night? Oh, Sonny said all sorts of things. No. Uh, anyway, uh, I yes. just love when they involve real fans and put them next to wrestlers. And you're like, this is why some people are stars and some people aren't. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh and so we see, we, next up, we have Shane McMahon going up against Eric Bischoff. A couple of stars in their own rights. Uh, SummerSlam match that definitely has to happen. Oh, man. We get a video package wherein Shane wanted to beat up Kane. This is this is one of those weird matches where we're, like, we're finding out bits of what happened on Raw, but kind of in the wrong order, where it's like, Shane wants to beat up Kane. Why does Shane want to beat up Kane? Well, Kane has yeah. gone through some stuff recently. What? Well, we'll find out later on. <laughs> there is some stuff. We he even see clips from. He had a SummerSlam 2000 happen to him. Yeah. Uh, we lost his mask there. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Shane wanted to beat up Kane more than he already did, uh, because Kane had, <laughs> T- Kane had previously tombstoned his mom, Linda. Reasons TBD. Eric says no, but Eric's co-general manager says Steve Austin 
says he can take out his frustration on Bischoff that night. We cut to the match where Kane comes out and he beats up Shane. He tombstones him on the steel steps, giving Bischoff the victory. Will, do we see in this package or the other one with Shane's really dumb face for selling, uh, getting tombstoned? Yes, he's like, he does this kind of like, ooh, involved. I'm knocked out. But it's like, it looks almost like, anyway, I don't even know how else to describe her. It looks very dumb. He should just keep his eyes closed and look dead. Uh, Bischoff gets the easy victory there. And then we yeah. see, this is what, like, guys, <laughs> Raw is bad here. Because then we see JR, uh, he's in the ring talking to Bischoff. He says, because Bischoff has created an unsafe working environment. Because JR got to, lit on, yes, okay, you go. JR got lit on fire by Kane. <laughs> which I want you I want you to remember that for when I'm talking about what happens in this match Kane lit JR on fire ostensibly to kill him I don't know what else you lit a man, light on man on fire for uh, just to watch a burn I don't know I if guess. I started the I started the butt area that's light him on fire but yeah I guess yeah, trust to make him, him to make him feel his pain make him feel his pain uh, and so JR says he's going to sue Bischoff but then Steve Austin comes down he calms JR down and he gets Eric Bischoff to sign a contract but it's a trick contract it means he has to face Kane that night is Vince Russo writing again for uh, WWE he, this, at the time? Hey, just 2003 was a time when Vince Russo, he came back for like a week, and then everyone was like, we won't abide Vince going back. He Did came he? back. He came back, what, and they were like, no, no, this is happening. What week? I, I'll, I, if I could look it up, but if you look up Russo, he came back in a period of 2002, and it was like, he's going to be good, and then everyone was like, this is not, we're not doing this. We well, <laughs> know what he said at the end of it. He said, what? It's been. Uh, oh, <clears> I thought you were going to say, it's a swerve, bro. Uh, and he meant to. <laughs> Uh, so Kane, uh, Kane gets counted out for some reason, uh, but the contract that he signed uh-huh. said the winner would face Shane at SummerSlam. This contract oh. is a magic contract. It's, it's incredible. Uh, Eric uh, Bischoff then went to Linda McMahon's house to force her to kiss him because we have a lot of forced <laughs> kissing on the show still, which I think is just uh, lovely. Yeah. It was wonderful. And so Eric comes out first on SummerSlam 2003. He brags about what may or may not have happened in Linda's, Linda's house. And he's making all these illusions and saying all this stuff. And he's talking about Vince McMahon having a filet mignon at home and all sort of thing. Yeah. Shane interrupts. Uh, but only after Eric says a bunch of stuff first, really. I mean, I, it's one of those weird things where Shane obviously should have sprinted to the ring to beat Eric down immediately. Because he just – Shane McMahon lets Eric Bischoff say all sorts of horrendous stuff about his mother. Um and so, anyway, I was going to skip to the, yeah. It take, takes a while for the money to come is what, I'm, what I mean. Yeah, here comes the money. I mean, keep checking your watch for that money. This is uh, Shane's third uh, SummerSlam match, his fourth SummerSlam appearance. That's so He's very involved in SummerSlam 2001, of course, uh, smacking the APA with the chair in the, in the face. And uh, right. he was also involved in the Rock Booker T match uh, in, in 2001. Uh, 99, the, right. the yeah, the aforementioned match against Test. And then uh, 2000, he takes that incredibly insane uh, off the top of the SummerSlam set bump from Steve Blackman spanking him with a kendo stick. Right. Yes, that is absolutely bananas. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so the ending is complicated. And I was like, I'm going through it. And I'm like, I have to go so much longer than I want to on this. So Shane McMahon is beating up Bischoff. He beats him up outside the ring. And then somebody hits him with a steel chair that we don't see. And when we get a better angle on it, it's Coach. It goes on forever. It goes on forever. Oh, man. Hits him with a steel chair a couple times. The ref goes to DQ Bischoff, but then he makes it no disqualification, a false count anywhere match, Mm -hmm. uh, which is super overplayed. I mean, at this point on SmackDown, we see this so many times, these matches where it's like, oh, there's no count out. We're like, is there no count out or is there count out? Because it kind of seems like there might be count out. And so the first time tonight, not the last time tonight, a match is just made a different stipulation, right? The you know, uh, yep. 
some sometime during the match, if not at That's the right. onset. That's right. And uh and so Bischoff demands <laughs> he demands the production turn off JR and King's mics, and the crowd boos, which is funny. Because they, they can't, can't they can't hear them anyway. No, they can't hear them. They don't they shouldn't care at all. There should be there should, they should be you know screaming something indifferent. Uh, and so this leads to coach starting to do commentary, and it's just like it's just like they did with Oklahoma and WCW, where he's just calling things slobber knockers. And he's and saying coach, like Bischoff, you know, Bischoff, Bischoff, or like you know Shane McMahon, Shane McMahon, Shane McMahon. Was it and, Backlash or, ju- or Judgment Day that Coach commentates on? And he's he's not fantastic. No, oh gosh, he did such a bad job of the show. Um, and uh, the crowd is just restless. Uh, yeah, they, they know what's going to happen, and it's just taking too long to get there. Like, yeah. Eric throws, like, 15 kicks at Shane McMahon. People yeah. are like, okay, we get it. Then Shane gets a DDT on Bischoff, um, which is weird because it's kind of weird for Shane to ever be a face. Like, he's just this perfect weenie boss's kid kind of guy. Totally. And so for him, yeah. And so for him to be the face is just, like, it's just weird. It's like cheering for the kid, the bleach blonde kid in the uh, the teen college comedy in the 1980s or something. You're like, no, I want to see him get a pie dropped on his head. Totally. And the yeah. glass shatters, and down comes Steve Austin, which is always funny. I love the idea that they're always surprised by this, that they have like they're like, "Oh, we we had evil plans, though." <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> Steve's he's, just sitting back there being he's like, he's a co-general uh, manager. Yeah, he's maybe doing... after the sixteenth kick, I'll come down. But man, oh hell, I'm tired of this. Any less than that. Coach says Austin can't touch him, and I'm just like, I I don't care about this at all. Didn't they do she... the same thing with Chris Jericho too? Like Austin couldn't touch him, and then they I'm shoved sure they Jericho did. into him. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Shane pushes Coach into Austin so Steve can beat him up. Uh, Shane helps. And I always think about how Shane is famously stiff with people. So I assume all his kicks are just, like, really painful. Is that why his uh, punches are so bad? Because he's, he's, he's They're not bad. Per- they're, well, they're bad. Like, they're pain bad because he's actually, like, hitting them. He purposely – well, I think re- more recently in his matches, he's been, like, really pulling his punches. So uh, Oh, like well, he has to you because know, he's, he's – legit- Yeah, Miz at WrestleMania 35. Like, his, 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 his like, little rabbit punches. Not yeah. Good. Uh, yes, he's like very much, uh, very stiff. So Steve goes to leave, and Shane picks up Bischoff and makes him punch Steve in the face, like we can a Bernie Bernie's. style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, of course. We can a Bischoffs. I gotta say, I recently wa- I recently saw a video, and of it was just uh, no. Well, I think it was just uh, '90s ads or like um, oh yes, ads from 1996. I think, which is great because they're showing you ads for like. A Fox show that didn't last more than six episodes, and it's like pretty oh, fantastic. Yes. One of them was the network television debut of Weekend at Bernie's Two. Oh my! What a what an event! I think that was uh, on pay per view after the Hulk Hogan uh, special. I think so. They got Bernie back though. Unbelievable. I assume he was pr- probably stinking at that point, but uh, so Austin stuns Eric Bischoff. Shane covers him, but then lists him at two, and I'm like, no, end this yeah. match, please. <laughs> So Shane goes to the announce table, he clears it off, he puts Bischoff on it, and then he leaps the top rope to take off, and he hits the elbow from the top rope to the announce table, which is at least cool. Yeah, it's a, it's cool. Why don't more people do that? Because uh, it hurts? I don't know. <laughs> it just seems dope. I mean, it just seems like if you could do that, you should always do that. Like, you should do like all sorts of cool top rope moves in there. Yeah. Uh, the, I think of that as a Shawn Michaels thing, too. The, the, the elbow drop to the announce table the outside. Yeah. Well, do it. I, did Bischoff, how many times did um, Shawn do that? I, I've seen him do it a couple times, yeah. Okay. It, okay. I think it's Shane's spot, though, if I were to, to give it to anybody. I mean, uh, even that sounds so, so weird to me. No, no. Uh, thankfully, because it was made uh, fi- uh, false count anywhere match earlier, that gets the pin, and we're mercifully uh, over this. No oh boy. And so Shane and Austin drink beers afterwards, and it's just great. 
<laughs> we go backstage, and Ric Flair is telling Randy Orton that uh, he has to make sure that Triple H stays world champion tonight because Randy Orton is in the Elimination Chamber match. Mm-hmm. And uh, Randy asks about a what if scenario, but Rick says there's no what if, and Triple H comes in to reiterate. I mean, I could easily see Randy Orton just being like, but what if Triple H gets eliminated before I go out? What should I do then? Uh, that would make sense. That is a what if. That's a very justifiable what if, um, which I think makes sense. Totally, yeah. Given the structure of the match, that makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. They they they're teasing something which they would do like actually do in two thousand early two thousand five, I believe, when they would do the third elimination chamber, where they have Batista and Randy Orton in there. And uh, that's 2006. Anyway, they do a better version of this whole, like, what if another guy from Evolution is in the match and there's a question of his loyalty? They do a good job of that later on. That'd probably be oh, Not that, here. Not, would, that, would that be New Year's Revolution 05? I think so. Maybe, because that would be on route to WrestleMania 21, right? Yeah. Before that. Before that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. We, we know what's up. Uh, so next up, Eddie, Eddie Guerrero is defending his United States Championship against Chris Benoit, Rhino, and Tajiri in a fiddle four-way match for the U.S. title. Um, Cole checks in with Taz before the match to make sure they're still good after seeing the Raw announcer drama, which I thought was funny. Uh, <laughs> I love anytime that SmackDown has a chance on paper to be like, whoa, what the hell's happening on Raw? Damn. Because uh, sometimes crazy. it feels genuine. We're okay, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. they've look, Taz and JR have had uh, beef before that, that King had to settle. Uh, re- yeah. With regards to this four-way match, this is Tajiri's second SummerSlam and Rhino's second SummerSlam. Tajiri and Rhino both featured in SummerSlam. 2001, as Tajiri was the, I believe, light heavyweight champion of the WWF. Very good. There and you Rhino go. Rhino had that aforementioned uh, Chris Jericho match that wasn't so great. That's right. Tony Chimmel, the SmackDown ring announcer, tells us this is one fall to a finish. Now, what he actually says is the first person to, quote, catch a pinfall. Uh, will, that will lead I to the end of the match. Catch a pinfall. Is it, catch a is pinfall. It, are we going to catch him outside, too? We're, how about that? Well, uh, that's my question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, weirdly phrased. I think it's funny. Uh, it's one of those things where you're kind of like, did he write that down? Because he had all day to think about what to say. He doesn't really have that <laughs> much to say. Yeah, all day. It was literally his only job was to talk. Um, <laughs> also, I don't like four and five and six-way matches that aren't elimination. I think it's very goofy. Yeah, yeah. The disadvantage for the, the uh, champion is so much that it's like, well, why even be champion? Why even bother? No, you're, you're 100% right, yeah. So our champion comes out first, despite the nihilism involved in the whole endeavor. Uh, he comes out in a, low, a green low rider with purple stripes. Yeah. And we are reminded that Eddie hit everyone in this match with his belt last week on SmackDown, which that was great. He hit one guy, hit another guy, and then he thought about it, and he hit the last guy as well. He's like, eh, might as well hit Tajiri with the belt too. Why not? Belt shot this guy. Michael Cole calls his car a rainbow trout. Honestly, not far off in terms of what it should be <laughs> described. I'm props to Michael Cole. And so I like the strategy in this story at the beginning of the match here because Rhino and Benoit and Tajiri are tangling initially. And Eddie Guerrero was consistently staying out of the ring except to break up pinfalls, mm-hmm. uh, which is nice. It tells a good story, right? Because Eddie is a sneak, and it makes sense for him to stay out of the ring because he doesn't want to get involved in it, but he also doesn't want to lose his title. So he's going to do yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Taz says that Eddie's t- uh, strategy should be to get a quick win and get out of there. I think it's a st- sound strategy for literally every match. This is what it used to be, Matt, and now it's just about doing moves that's right uh eddie throws rhino out of the ring and then suplexes benoit out of the ring which is fun uh it always looks good when you do that because you're essentially flipping a guy out of the ring when he's upside down uh and the crowd reacts pretty well to that which i liked uh there's also a moment here later on where rhino is late to break up a pin uh on chris benoit and ben wants to put his leg on the rope but the referee also kind of holds up which is too bad yeah it's uh it's awkward yeah um there's a lot going on it's kind of a bit of a mess not in a bad way though it, um, it's a little it's a little sh- uh, messy yeah yeah, Rhino gets a superplex on Eddie. Uh, Eddie gets a head scissors on Rhino, uh, and then he gets his running hand holding Hurricane Rana on Benoit. 
Um, that says Michael Cole is telling us that Vato, which is something Eddie says a lot, means dude. And I dude. appreciate that information. Yeah. It's helpful. Sweet. Eddie gets the lasso from El Paso onto Jiri. Uh, and then Benoit comes into the ring, and he gets a crossface on Rhino. So the referee has to go back and forth between them to Eddie's great fear, <laughs> which I liked. Because Eddie's looking, and he's kind of like, oh, man. He's going to he tap out first. Out. Yeah. It's a good move. That's kind of fun. They, have they done a finish where it's like it could be either one, and then one guy does tap out, and the other guy's like mad? It feels like something they should have done. Oh, it's probably been done before. At least in WWE mm-hmm. or something that we could. Yeah, maybe more than more than once. Uh, Tajiri, uh, Eddie does not give up the uh, the the hold though. Though Tajiri gets to the ropes, and so Eddie lets go and he walks over to Benoit, and he very deliberately drop kicks him in the face. So Ed, with Eddie's <laughs> Eddie's hold is essentially ruined, and so he walks up and he just like I've never seen him more deliberate. Just like, well, I'm gonna jump up and kick you as hard as I can in the face, and it's great. And so then Benoit gets a crossface on Eddie, but that gets broken up. And then Rhino gets a, a spine muster to Jiri. The Jiri gets thrown off the ropes by Benoit. And he does his handspring, but he runs into Rhino. Uh, he doesn't continue on from that. Like, usually he hits a handspring. He, like, pops up on his legs and keeps going and flips back. But he just stops, which I guess maybe Rhino just, like, threw off his groove. Maybe. That'd be why. Mm. And so Benoit goes for rolling German suplexes. But after a couple of the Jiri reverses and he gets a bri- bridging German suplex on Benoit. Ben- Benoit barely kicks out of it. It was a good bridge. It, it was very nice. Uh, the Jiri does a great job with those, I find. Oh, yeah. Um, Tajiri gets really a tarantula good. on Benoit, which distracts the referee. And so Eddie has the U.S. title belt, but Rhino gores him. Oh, he kind of takes the belt in the shoulder. Um, and it's also weird. Supposedly. Like, yeah, but like, also, like, um, Tajiri has the tarantula on for so long. Uh, and he should be disqualified, maybe, but also the match has no disqualification, so maybe the ref shouldn't care. In theory, is this yeah. match no disqualification? Yeah. But what if, what if Eddie hit the Rhino with the belt in front of him? I don't know he what happened then. Would have, should have, could have. I don't know. Yeah. That's that, that's the the foggy thing about these sorts of matches. We don't really know the rules or, or yeah. what what is and what isn't allowed. Uh, Rhino get uh, sorry. Benoit gets a headbutt from the top rope on Rhino, but Tajiri breaks it up, and then Tajiri goes for a buttsaw kick on Benoit. But Benoit ducks. Then he and Tajiri go over the top rope together and out of the ring with a powerbomb Hurricane Rana situation, uh, which allows Eddie Guerrero to fly in with a frog splash to Rhino's back, and that's enough for the one, two, and three. Yeah, little Rhino stays down for a while. Yeah. He's on his back for like five minutes. Yeah, he's down there for a while. Um, I would say this is decent chaos. I enjoy uh, ga- yeah. it for the most part. Yeah, I think, I think in the hands of anybody else, a match like this would just be straight up messy, and then this was just like, you know, a little chaotic, but uh, but still very good. It was interesting watching, though, Eddie uh, in, uh, I guess, 99. Was that him in China against uh, Venus and, and Tristratus? Uh, Seeing oh, yeah. like Eddie before his, um, he had a shoulder injury, right? That's what uh, kept yeah, him out of commission he, for he, 2001. He injured his shoulder very, uh, very quickly after coming in, unfortunately for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So maybe this was 2000, actually. Uh, and uh, it was interesting to see uh, that Eddie, uh, not that he's bad, but just that that older version of Eddie was just fan fantastic like just just buttery and just everything was done perfectly yeah. and i think maybe uh something that was a mistake uh was that he got bigger and uh maybe he's just not used to being that heavy and that big i think he just i think him and benoit both agreed to like get as big as possible and maybe they're a little too big at this point oh yeah well i mean you you could argue that uh because of that they both um had died prematurely uh, i would uh actually quite agree with you man yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah Dark thought, but uh, you know these things happen for other reasons. And anyway, there's all sorts was... of uh, reasons to that. Anyway, um, yeah. Oh, so we go backstage. We see Shawn Michaels is getting prepara- prepared for the Elimination Chamber match that he's in later on. And then we see clips from this last week's SmackDown when Brock Lesnar destroyed Zach Gowan 
during and after the match. And then we see the footage from Heat earlier when Matt won. Matt Hardy won his match by forfeit. Now, Cole invokes a phrase here that I was quite surprised to hear. He calls a Brock on a lunatic fringe. Does that sound familiar, Matt? I made note of that as well. He says he's on a lunatic fringe, and I was like, "Excuse me, what do you? So we're we're going to bring that out uh, not for just John Moxley or Dean Ambrose, but for Brock Lesnar years earlier." It's like uh, Vader being referred to as a manster in uh, SummerSlam '96. Right. I mean, these are things. Honestly, they got to have a whiteboard in Connecticut. Just like, what's what are cool words? All right, write that. A lunatic fringe. That sounds cool. We'll use that for, I don't know, someone. Man, These things just Ooh, live in his head, man. I don't know what to tell you. I think these got these are just like things that like Vince thinks about all the time. He's like, oh, it's cool stuff. Unquestionably, the greatest word I could think of. He says unquestionably oh, yeah. a lot. Oh, he loves it. And so we get a, it's time for Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle's the WWE champion. They're, oh, they're, hell yeah. Rematch from, from WrestleMania. We see a video package. Kurt won the WWE title. From Brock Lesnar in a triple threat match at Vengeance. And afterwards, he thanked Brock for being his friend during recovery. Uh, but then Brock turned on Kurt during a cage match with Vince McMahon. And now Brock is allied or allied with Vince. He's a heel again. And he also, uh, Brock also uh, killed, not literally killed, but he killed Zach Gowan because he's also a bad man. And then ki- they, they call him a killer, too. Like, he's a, he looks like a killer now. Yeah. Uh, which is which is good. I think that he's he's kind of leaning to that part of his character a bit more. And it's interesting here because Brock Lesnar does come out, and when he leaps onto the apron, he doesn't have his pyro. I and didn't I'm, notice that. Is that a heel thing? I want. Is it a heel thing? Is it a cane thing? Or is it an elimination chamber thing? I think it's an elimination chamber thing. I think, you know, mm. when you do that kind of pyro, you need to have it taped aggressively to the sides of the ring. And it wouldn't quite fit. Yeah, okay. And it would, yeah. wouldn't be a problem if it came in. So I think that's why, because I don't believe I, Kane is pyro again later. It's truly the LED uh, apron of uh, its time. That's LED right. Ring yeah, skirt. Which, which, if it's missing, it tells you that something's going to happen to the ring. Yeah. Uh, so the, both guys are in the ring. Referee Mike Kyoto, he does this whole big match pep talk thing where he's, he's holding the belts before holding it up to the world, and he's talking to both guys, and he says, you know, I think he says to shake hands, and they don't. <laughs> he says, I don't have to tell you the rules. Just don't break them. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Coles tells us this is the long-awaited WrestleMania rematch, and here we go. Oh, yeah. And we, we get some lockups to start. We do some chain wrestling, including some amateur moves, like takedowns and headlocks and Kurt Angle does well for himself until Brock just starts pushing Kurt down after every lockup. So he just locks up and Brock shoves him down. Locks up and shoves him down. Something uh, to keep in mind here. Apparently, Kurt Angle had a torn hamstring during this match. Really? He had torn, he had torn it before, yeah. I think he, I think I, he tore it before uh, Big Show's match. There's nothing I can see that is uh, he's working any less hard than usual. No, I, well, I mean, it's Kurt Angle, of course. So. I know. The man's uh, no. a wrestling machine. So something I liked about this is that even early on with Brock pushing Kurt over, Kurt gets wise to it. So he suckers Brock in for a lockup, and so Brock overcommits to it, and so Kurt ducks down and grabs a waist lock and throws Brock into the corner, which even leads Kurt to do his little, like, hey, look, I'm a thinker kind of thing. And that's a nice little bit of wrestling minutia there, that he's like, we see this thing that's so basic, we're lockup and pushing him, and then he gets an edge on it, which is such a good little detail to start the match off. Brock retreats outside in frustration. He's tossing down a monitor by the Spanish announce table, which has been destroyed by Shane and Eric Bischoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kicks and throws the stairs, and he grabs the WWE title and heads for the back, which is, is usually A train on velocity. This guy's crazy. I know he's just doing all these house show stuff, just like just like the train man himself. Uh, train yeah, man. I also like grabbing the belt when it's not yours. Usually that's, <laughs> that's like a heel. Pretty... The heel move is I'll grab my stuff and I'm going to head out of here. I'm not going to deal with it. But he's like, no, I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm going to abscond with this thing. Yeah, that's pretty funny. So Kurt chases him, and they brawl in the aisle. And then back in the ring, Kurt hits a belly to belly on Brock for two. 
And then Brock lifts Kurt with a military press and tosses Kurt to the outside. Ooh. And Kurt barely touches the ropes on the way outside. Like, he kind of almost goes, like, completely untouched. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Michael Cole invokes Brock as having or being on the lunatic fringe uh, mm-hmm. at this point in the match as well. Uh, Brock brings Kurt back into the ring. He does a, a standing belly to belly suplex or even just a toss because Kurt flies over Brock's head, but Brock stays completely vertical. He doesn't fall backwards at all. He just picks him up under the both arms and just tosses him over his head. Unbelievable. It's crazy. Uh, Brock goes for another military press, but Kurt drops down and he gets a roll up on Brock for two. And so you're kind of seeing here is that Kurt will not let Brock do the same thing twice. Like it's like Brock can do stuff, but Kurt is going to uh, act. He's going to absorb the action and he's going to act with that knowledge. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. Well, yeah, you're not going to fool me again. That's right. Uh, thank you, W. Um, it's probably said that around this time. Uh, <laughs> right. Brock slows things down with a kind of a headlock grapevine. And it's interesting to me how Brock has completely excised the bear hug from his moveset. I mean, this time last year before SummerSlam, he was using the bear hug, but now he doesn't use it anymore. That would be his, uh, yeah, that would be his like submission special, I think, if he played him in uh, No Mercy. That's right. He would use it all the time. Oh, that's pretty good. Just go back and make him for that. That's a good idea. Strong grapple from the from behind, right? And then, or maybe strong grapple from the it front. It was from yeah. the front, yeah, because you just, like, just got to pick him up and squeeze him a little bit. It's not, no, no bigs there. Um, and so uh, after Kurt goes through a roll-up, Brock drops with a clothesline and then gets what I can really only describe as a kind of Samoa Joe-esque muscle buster. That's what I called it as well, yeah. And so, so he just Innovative get, offense here. Gets up on his shoulders, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, you know, that could have been a good finisher option for Brock. Like, if he had to do something else uh, instead of an F5, like he could just do this big muscle buster, he ends up fall, dropping down. I mean, it just looks like such a, you know, he's dropping down from such a big height. has a lot of energy going into it. It's quite quite impressive. Be a little harder to hit that on Big Show, but I agree. Yeah. <laughs> could you imagine? Uh, Kurt fights back after getting hit with a muscle buster. He hits Brock with some shoulder tackles and a dropkick to the back of the knee. And then Kurt gets three rolling German suplexes. But only gets two when he covers Brock Lesnar. And Brock gets another belly-to-belly throw, but Kirk comes back with an attempt at an angle slam, which Brock evades, allowing him to land a spine buster for two. And so Brock lifts Kurt up for an F5, and then Kurt turns it into a very clean-looking DDT on the way down. Looks very nice. Oh, yeah. Then Kurt drops the singlet straps, and Michael Cole says, Kurt Angle's fired up Steel City style, whatever that means. I know he's from Pittsburgh, but right. I mean, he's he's not in Pittsburgh now. I don't know if that like I don't like I don't think of Pittsburgh as you're just like of course oh yeah man that's they get they get worked up in Pittsburgh. You don't want to get them worked up. They can be angry, but if you get them worked up, baby, oh, you are in for a world of pain. They'll eat a sandwich, the French fries in it, man. It's great. <laughs> that's right. They're gonna do it. Do you think there's a place where three rivers meet? <laughs> I would argue one river turns into two, but you ever hear of this Heinz ketchup before? That's right. Frenches. Uh, Kirk gets an angle slam, but then only gets two. Uh, the story there being that uh, Brock uh, was finished by Angle Slam of Vengeance. So there you go. It's kind of like something that he worked before. It's not currently working now. Yeah. So Kurt puts the straps back up so he can drop them again. And he grabs an ankle lock. And Michael Cole yells for Kurt to break his ankle since Brock uh, Lesnar broke Zach Gowan's leg. And so he's he, Kurt, uh, a, Michael Cole is going full fanboy here. He's happy to just yell for him to do that. He's, he's, he's dropped all, uh, all, all pretense. Uh, all pretense of uh, impartial layer, impartial. Partiality? Oh boy. Partiality. Partiality. Thank you. That's right. Uh, Kirk gets. Uh, sorry, Brock is in the ankle lock, but he gets the ropes. But Kurt Angle pulls him away and he keeps the hold on him. And this is something that's going to bug me for the rest of the match because that should be disqualification because you have to break the hold if you go into the ropes. Oh man, if you didn't yep. like it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yep, 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 yep. Um, I would argue the 
the result of the matches in question because of it. Uh, <laughs> and so Brock counters. He does the thing where you kind of he rolls underneath and you kind of flick the guy who's holding you, and he and Kirk gets flicked into Mike Kyoto, the referee, who is now out. Second bub of the night for the ref in a SmackDown match. That's right. They all want to have their chance. And then there's kind of a weird, weird spot here because Brock looks like he's going to get a back body drop on Kurt. But Kirk gets this kind of like triangle sleeper while he's in this weird pile driver position. The way I can describe it is that imagine if Kurt Angle did a uh, a Panama Sunrise slash Canadian Destroyer to Brock Lesnar, but halfway through he just stopped and was under uh, upside down on top of him. <laughs> yeah. Essentially what happens very, here. It was very strange. The crowd's like, what's The crowd does not know what to do with it. They're looking yeah. they're like, uh, okay. The Brock's uh, fading, so they're like, it's doing something. Yeah, so something is taking place there. I could not tell you what it is. And... Uh, Yes. Anyway, so Brock drops down and uh, at one point, and so Kurt grabs an ankle lock instead. So it's kind of like Kurt was kind of putting up with the triangle hold, and he, but he really wanted an ankle lock, and he gets it. And Brock gets the ropes, but there's no ref, so he has to endure more. And he grabs the, refs, the ropes again, but Kurt pulls away. And then Brock taps, but there, but there is no ref. Oh. Also, Kurt never broke the hold, so it shouldn't count. That's right. Uh, suddenly, Vince McMahon runs out and hits Kurt in the back of the head. Sorry, the back and the head with the chair. And Vince is, I like Vince's. He's got a, a more chill summer shirt outfit going on. It's untucked. It's a little bit short there. It's kind of different from his style. It is SummerSlam, and he seems to be embracing that, which I think is great. It's the third good. McMahon we've seen on the show uh, in the arena tonight. I was going to say, I mean, yeah, we've seen them all on at least some video at this point. Yep. And so both men are down, and when they're up, Brock gets Kurt up for an F5, and he's, but he's on one leg. Yeah. And so he's like jumping in one leg and he hops around and he hits the F5. And I feel like Kurt takes it pretty roughly. Am I Kurt right? About that? <laughs> I think he lands uh, Steve Austin 1997 style. I think he lands right in the crown of his head. Um, if not, like his head takes all the uh, takes all the energy first for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty rough. And I think Taz has even a pretty like strong reaction. He oh! like, gives this big kind of like yell about it. Uh, and the ref crawls over to count the pin, but it only gets two. And Brock does a, a shocked and angry face, and Vince does the exact same face. And <laughs> I'm like, Vince, I'm looking. I'm, Vince, when he runs in and hits Kurt Angle with a chair, and then he goes back outside the ring, he's just like, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, very kind of like, what? I'm just, I'm just here. It's not going on. It's my company, uh, damn it. Now, Vince does tell Brock just to do it again, which I appreciate that. That's what you should tell. That's what you should do. I mean, it's a good uh, strategy. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and Brock sheds his shoulder pads. And he goes for another one, but then Kurt lands on his feet. He does a takedown of Brock, and he grabs another ankle lock. And Brock gets to the ropes, but Kurt pulls him away, and Brock does it again. He gets pulled away. The referee is back up. Uh, and then Brock finally taps out to the ankle lock. Wow. Even though Kurt should be disqualified. Uh, and that's that's the match. Kurt beats him there. Uh, Kurt I will makes him tap out. Makes him tap out. Now, Kurt kind of no-sells the F5 when he springs back to life and hits the ankle lock. He did something very similar at SummerSlam. I'm sorry, at WrestleMania this past year, mm, where he yeah. gets in, he gets he gets F5 and then he kind of pops up again. And I get the desire to, you know, get excited to be back in the match, but it does seem very, it's very distracting that he just no sells a uh, F5 like that essentially, where he's like, I he's think like, it's, right, yeah, I got a five, but I'm fine. Yeah, and I think he's the only guy who gets away with it too, or like you know, tr- yeah, get, gets that uh, or, or try tries something like that. Uh, so this was Brock's idea to tap out, by the way. I think Brock was supposed oh, to yeah. uh, win here, uh, but Brock decided to, to it'd be, make his heel character better if he tapped out at this match and uh, won the, the, the title later on. Um, 
Or it gives us a, I don't know. It gives us a good match uh, later on in, uh, in just a few weeks. It's going to be a great kind of rematch, which we'll talk at length about. Yeah, uh, well, I've, and I thought this match was really good, too. Now, uh, did, did you like this better than their WrestleMania match? That's a good question. I might have, actually. Uh, I think I did, too, for two yeah. reasons. One, yeah. I'm not scared for Kurt's life, I guess, even though I should be. <laughs> and two, it's I'm fair. not scared at the end for Brock's life. Uh, so that makes it, uh, to me, a better match already. Also because they've, you know, they've had so many run-ins and, and they're just, they know each other better. Yeah. Uh, so that chemistry has been improved upon. And yeah, Matt, you're right. In a couple of weeks, you're going to see that chemistry, I think, at its zenith uh, between yep. Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar. And that's going to be tremendous to see. Absolutely. Uh, but this this match was tremendous to see. And uh, far and away, I think, the highlight of uh, SummerSlam 2003 as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Vince comes in afterwards. Uh, after he comes in after Kurt, Kurt stops him, and then he opens a chair and he hits a damn angle slam onto the open chair on Vince on his birthday, no less. They make note of that on his birthday, no less. Unbelievable, fifty-eight. Always crazy, like through a chair. Oh, through the chair too is like I don't know how much they gimmick these chairs. I hope they are, but like I don't I know hope, how much seems to be hurt. I hope they do something with them because that would hurt like a lot. Like folks. Yeah. If you have a steel chair at home, go check it out, okay? These guys are so big and so strong. They're able to dent these things. They're able to bend them. They're able to do all sorts of things. Touch a real steel chair. It's made of steel. It's heavy. It's hard. It hurts. Yeah. Don't hit anybody with it. Don't try this at homework or school, kids or adults. Please, I insist. Yeah. Uh, and so Kurt leaves, and the SmackDown portion of the night is over at 1 hour, 45 minutes, and 17 seconds. And since SummerSlam has no commercials, it's actually less than the length of a SmackDown. <laughs> and their content is done. It's strange to consider, but that's how the card went. And the Elimination Chamber always needs a ton of time. But this is SmackDown just such, stuff is a, over the night. such a raw, heavy show. Uh, and, uh, you know, Matt, if, if we saw two pay-per-views in a row that give us uh, a, a fantastic um, endorsement for uh, brand-only pay-per-views, it would be The Vengeance we just saw, which is very good. Uh-huh. And the SummerSlam we're watching right now, which is imbalanced at best. Yes, very good point. Uh, yeah, gosh, I mean, I never, like I do this show, and I feel so justified in just covering the SmackDown of it all, just because like I would, yeah, my mental health would take a dip if I had to deal with Raw. I don't want me to make too much light of that, but like it would just be such a bummer if I had to deal with that week in and week out. And so I'm glad I'm doing the SmackDown part of this. I mean, Raw would have to be uh, covered from a certain angle, perhaps. Uh, no pun intended, but. The rawness of it all, Matt, speaks to, again, what WWE really is in 2003, which is not fantastic. Um, But uh, SmackDown's got some good stuff. I mean, you know, you could have uh, swapped uh, uh, title matches. You could have had the SmackDown tag titles defended instead of the, uh, I mean, there's only seven matches on the card. Instead of the uh, WWE, uh, instead of the World uh, Tag Team uh, Championship, right? You could have had, let's right. run back Ray and Billy against the Haas and Benjamin again. I don't know. Add some more ba- tag teams to the mix if you want to, but they could have had some more fun there. I mean, you know, there's lots of things they could have done on uh, on the SmackDown side of it to, to make this better. I mean, it, it just feels like it's not that difficult to go like, okay, if you spend half an hour, how could you make the show better top to bottom for Raw and SmackDown? You could do both. Um, but instead, we, let's continue on. We'll carry on here. Uh, there's still lots I'd more. I'd say also, yeah, about. if you can decrease the Gaga and the Bischoff-Shane match or just get rid of it entirely, yeah. then uh, you'll save a lot of time. Even if you just like give give another match on the card the uh, announce table spot. Mm-hmm. That'd, be, that'd be cool. Give, give somebody else the big power there. There's things uh, you can do. Anyway, sorry, but let's, let's continue. We go backstage. Goldberg is back there. He's got some high pod headphones in there. He's listening to, what would be listening to 2003? Mandy Moore, probably? Uh, the yeah. Walk to Remember soundtrack? 
Yeah, well, I mean, Goldberg's really excited, of course, for the uh, When You Were Young tour that's coming up uh, soon, right? Featuring My Chemical Romance and Avril Lavigne. I mean, it's going to be big. It's going to be insane. So he's Huge. just something on there for sure. It's pump up mix, Absolutely. Matt. Pump up mix. For sure. He's, he's been to the Black Parade. Um, and so JR says that Goldberg could win his first world's heavyweight title tonight. Ooh. That's weird. He, he probably, yeah. I mean, he probably didn't mean it like that, but I, I know Menace, what. Well, it's like he's why. literally wrestling for the belt that he won in WCW. It's the same belt. Apparently, he. Well, I think JR says like he hadn't won it since like '98 or something, or maybe he's saying the first time he won it was in '98. Uh, that wasn't that the last time he sense. held it, was yeah, it? He, he, well, he had the title I think in '99 as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, what was but, it that he lost to the the shock uh, the the Kevin Nash? Well, that uh, was that was the end of '98. So that's true. Okay. Uh, but I'm pretty sure, he, like, because he had the there's some belt exchange going on there. I think with uh, Bret Hart here. I, but you know what? I can. This is not that hard to do. I can definitely pull it up. Um, uh, he was also the yeah. He was WCW champion again uh, for um, a day. Uh, he was okay, for, for a day. Good for uh, him. October '99. <laughs> he was champion for a day. I mean, this is. I mean, if you look at the uh, WCW World Heavyweight Title in '99, uh, it's just a, just one of the biggest messes. Uh, that you'll ever see or ever hear. It's well, I think the WWF uh, title is also kind of hot shot around in '99. Is uh, between like the the upper uh, the main event guys, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. 2000, where it gets very, very, very silly. Good boy. Um, where okay. l- literally in 2000, you know, let's just we're, we're, let's go for a ride. WCW title year 2000. We start Bret Hart out of for 26 days. He had to vacate the title. Chris Benoit won it for a day. Was vacant for another seven days. Uh, Sid Vicious won the title for a day. Kevin Nash had the title for less than a day, and then Sid Vicious beat him for it. He had it for seventy-seven days. It was vacated again. Jeff Jarrett won it. He had it for eight days. Diamond Dallas Page won it. He had it for a day. Uh, David, David Arquette had it for twelve days. Mm-hmm. Jeff Jarrett had it for eight days. Ric Flair had it for seven. It was vacated again. Jeff Jarrett had it for one day. Kevin Nash had it for six days. What? Ric Flair had it for less than a day. Jeff Jarrett had it for 41 days. How often days. are they having shows? <laughs> like five shows a I week? think all of the one-day things are all pay-per-view or like like on Nitro nonsense where a guy wins the title and loses it that night kind of thing. Okay. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett loses it to Booker T, who has it for 50 days. Kevin Nash has it for 20 days. And then Booker T has it for eight days. Vince Russo for seven days. Uh, Vince Russo vacates the title. Booker T wins it for 55 days. And then Scott Steiner has it for 120 days. He had it for that long? I don't remember ever seeing a picture with Scott Steiner at the WCW Championship. Wow. Well. it. I mean, it, yeah, I'll, I'll go through the network. Now that I've done my uh, – actually, I'll keep going with my SummerSlam yeah. trick for a while. But um, once I've done that, I'll go watch uh, 2000 – no, I wouldn't do that to myself. Oh, watch 2000-era WCW? I don't know about that. Yeah, dude, there's no planet where you should do that. Uh, anyway, I it's would, insane. I would just watch the pay-per-views in Canada. Like I think they do – I think they do – isn't New Blood Rising in uh, Vancouver? Yes, I think that's not a great show either, though. Yeah, no, but you know, I'd watch it for the Vancouver of it all. It's the Vancouver for me. Yeah, could you imagine if we did a 2000 WCW pay, uh, podcast after this? That'd be fun. I mean, I gotta start looking at what my options are for after the show. Well, I mean, am I gonna keep podcasting or am I gonna put this whole thing to bed? Or are we gonna are do something gonna interesting? Who knows? Put your your take off your fingerless eight ounce gloves, take off your hat and your long <laughs> jacket, lay them in the middle of the ring there in Orlando, Florida. Mm-hmm. Walk slowly away, put your arm up, and get lowered through the ramp. Did you get lowered through at the end of that? You got lowered. You didn't walk all the way up. That was the funniest part to me is that he just walks halfway up and gets lowered. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. He gets stuck. He's like, damn. 
He's like finally cross off. Well, I mean, we saw we saw his uh, his motorcycle not work. Uh, I think at Vengeance, right? Or at Vengeance against John Cena. Yeah. John Cena, by the way, sorely missing from this show. I'm very disappointed. Wow, yeah, big time. He could be here, maybe in the front row with the Arizona Diamondbacks. We see here, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe he could be hanging out with WWE Diva Search winner Jamie Copey. Yeah, uh, who I saw her and I was like, I rec- I remember her from this show. I uh, I can't say I remember her at all. Of course, she is from Ladner, BC. Uh, well, there you go. She she smiles for the camera. King says that's a smile I'd like to wake up next to. Yeah, it takes all like all of like four seconds to say a bunch of like really gross <laughs> stuff about this woman. It's really not fun. Um, yeah. I miss old King man in the nineties before puppies and before he got so horny. He was so funny on commentary. <laughs> he was so much better. Oh, he was man. unbearably. He, he just at this point he's unbearably horny. He just can't handle it. It's the unbearable likeness of uh, of being King. It's good to be King, Matt. Sometimes. Oh boy. <laughs> well, you know he gets to do commentary for this next match here: Kane versus Rob Van Dam. Oh, they were buddies. What the hell? I know Kane. We see a video package which shows Kane unmasking. Here's my uh, he, favorite line from this video package. Uh, yes. Wait, keep, we'll, we'll keep going then. Sure. Uh, uh, Kane, it, wait, wait, until until it gets to Linda, then I'll tell you what my favorite line is. Oh, absolutely. Um, I Kane uh, has this stupid kind of little balding hair roughed after he takes his mask off. It was one of the weirdest, dumbest decisions that that was the most and his hair gone too. That was the most shocking thing about Kane unmasking is that his hair is so bad. Why is his hair just on the very back of his head and the rest of his hair is a wig? And it's also like weirdly long. It's like kind of longish to start off. Like it's weird. He's not bald. Like anyway, such a weird choice. It's a bad look, uh, Glenn. It's a very bad look. Uh, it's also kind of wild to think that Kane was only masked from October '97 to summer '2003. It's less than six years. Right. I mean, he's so much of his on... career happened post mask. I mean, he's uh, between 1995 and uh, 2003. He's had uh, three Summer Slams where he's there maskless, Matt. Right. Isaac Yankin DDS, and uh, it's uh, the aforementioned SummerSlam 2000, and now this one. There you go. It's because summer's so hot, Matt, right? You don't want that leather mask all over your face. It's hot, right? So you got to take that thing off. Yeah, it's too hot. Hot damn. Speaking of hot, Kane lit JR on fire like you do, and he's put on house arrest. But we hear Linda. Oh, is this what Linda McMahon said? Well, please hit me with it. No, you you know what I mean. She says, house arrest does not prevent Kane from coming to work. Yes, he's here. He's coming to work here. At WWE. I mean, he he gets to tour, go to Nashville, go to Memphis, go to Orlando, then fly but to coming Dallas. To work, like you still got a job, buddy. We need you. You need to cover your shift. If you can't, <laughs> just because of house arrest, you got yeah. still got to come here. Who and like everybody on house arrest, he comes out with a, a towel on his head, uh, an entourage of guards with him, and he's wearing chains and then manacles, like he was like towel on his head. Hannibal Lecter or something. Now, I forgot about the towel on the head. The towel on the head. So uh, once we get through this package, I'll tell you something about Kane and RVD, a, a personal uh, experience. Great. Uh, and so Kane faces Rob Van Dam, and he promptly attacks Linda. Uh, and that prompts Shane McMahon to attack Kane. He beats him up, but ultimately gets tombstoned on the steel ring steps like we talked about earlier. Uh, and then Kane holds off on attacking Eric Bischoff before attacking Rob Van Dam. And then he, I didn't remember this, he ties him up and almost lights him on fire. He like doses him in uh, gasoline and then stops it. Uh, and I was like, wow, this this feud has a lot of like criminal actions here. Kane is like trying <laughs> is attempting murder. Kane it, it gets worse for Kane and Shane as he goes through the fall, too. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. It it's insane. It gets much worse, especially when he uh, ties him up to the ring post and uh, does a little number on his uh his little McMahon's. I forgot oh about that. Oh, it's so yeah. stupid. Oh man, I maybe I don't want to do this podcast anymore. Folks, no. it's been it's been great. I've it's really enjoyed nice. it. We've done. Here we go. Eight ounce gloves um, taking off. 
we did 68 episodes and we did, you know, <laughs> another one after this one to be hilarious, but I think we're just going to end it right here. Well, Matt, we're not going to do what they want us to do. Just like Kane, Matt. Just right. like Kane. Howard Finkel, before the match, he declares this match is now no holds barred. No context, no reason why. Just is. So when Kane unmasked, I'm going to my personal experience now, he yes. was kind of, Rob didn't really believe he was bad. Like, he kind of thought he could, like, appeal to the He said he didn't need the mask. He said he didn't need the mask. Yeah. Obviously, we thought Kane would be um, uh, all burnt up and disfigured. Turns out the disfigurement and the scars were emotional, of course. Uh, but we went to Charlottetown to watch a Raw house show, and it was Kane versus Rob, or no, Rob Van Dam versus someone. And Kane comes out like uh, to interfere and beat up Rob Van Dam. And uh, where we were seated, it was like uh, it was like theater seating. It was like uh, you know where the Cape Breton Islanders play. So we were just like sitting on one side of the not very big uh, arena. And the other side, the wrestlers came out of the home and away bench for hockey. And right. we knew Kane was evil because all the heels came out of the away bench and all the baby faces came out of the home bench. So nice. Kane, I was like, no. Rob thought Kane was coming out to help him. Like, Rob, no, he's evil. He came out of the away bench. Don't do it. <laughs> he came out with the, yeah, the towel on his head. Man, and how I, relieved is he that he doesn't have to wrestle with all this gobbledygook all over himself? Oh, and then how funny. mad was he? About 15 years later, when they make him put it all back on, you're like, you're going to be this cane again. It's like, why? You know what's why funny, am I too? haired cane again. AEW brought back the whole, like, to two entrances, too. They're, they're doing the full on, uh, they're doing the full on, uh, Cape Breton house show match again. The, 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 the PEI house show match, absolutely. Okay, PEI, right? Okay. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, this is a raw match. So, we're going to skip to the end. Uh, I did want to say there's a couple of things JR said during the match that seemed completely insane to ha- insane to me. Uh, JR says, to hell with me when talking about what Kane did to him compared to what Kane did to Linda. Mm-hmm. Uh, but JR was lit on fire by Kane. And he's saying, forget yeah. that. Who cares? He can heal. He can he heal. He essentially Matt. says, fire Schmeyer. <laughs> and it's like, okay, wow. Uh, that's a choice. Um, he also describes Kane as a, quote, smelly monster. Yeah, his stinky. He had to smell his stinking breath on him. Well, that's what, okay. It's just what weird. Is he to call smelly. smelly? Makes him more evil, man. Smelly, I guess. I mean, I think it was smelly. I just think of like a kid at school who like doesn't know the, uh, you know, that it's like you know your body's changing. You got to get the deodorant on there. It seems like Kane. I mean, He's you know, Kane had a, he didn't have a great like you know childhood getting you know you got uh, all the conflict with, uh, uh, with with the Undertaker and everything like that. Like, and then I he went to it. dental school and turned his life around, and then uh, right. he remembered who he really was. How great would that be if they really did try to make that all like all fit together? <laughs> One thing. And then you came out, you said your name was Isaac. Oh, you remember, Kane? I had you. You're Isaac. Yeah, I come. DDS. Oh, man. So the end of the match. Rob Van Dam goes for Van Terminator, which is leaping from one post to the other with a steel chair, going, quote, coast to coast on Kane. But Kane gets out of the way, uh, which is funny because Jared doesn't really see it at first. And afterwards, King Luller has to be like, no, look, you didn't get him. Yeah, JR is like, yeah, you hit him. And she's like, no, I think he missed JR. Yeah. It's like we didn't get an angle on him, which is hilarious. Uh, King gets out of the way. He tombstones Rob Van Dam on the steel steps outside, just like he did to Shane McMahon a while ago, and he brings him back into the ring and pins him. Just like that. Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing doesn't really cheat or do anything that evil about it. I mean, you, your finisher is a tombstone. You do it on the stairs. You beat him. Easy as that. Uh, yeah. Uh, like a, a match that's just like somewhat holds barred. Uh, not really uh, super no holds barred, as uh, I guess no. there have been uh, in SummerSlam's uh, past, of course, uh, some very no holds barred. There's a Lions Den match in uh, '99 with uh, Ken Shamrock and Steve Blackman, where they had a Lions Den uh, with weapons on it. So that's something that the uh, Extreme Elimination Chamber learned uh, something of. 
Right. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so that's it. That's it for Rob, like Robin. Like, like Kane is this big evil monster, uh, and he does all this horrific stuff, and he just wins. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, who's gonna stop Kane? We go backstage. We see Eric Bischoff is getting some work done on him after getting uh, you know beat so badly, and Terry uh, comes up to interview him, and he tells her to leave, and so she does. And so the camera follows her out, where the camera passes Linda McMahon, and the camera doubles back and follows Linda McMahon in, who approaches Eric, and Eric stammers nervously to Linda, essentially you know confirming to us that nothing happened. Uh, he's being a big baby about it, and then she smacks him. And so that's what is that? Four McMahons on camera? Well, is that right? That's all of them. I guess they're all there for Vince's birthday, but also they're just on. Oh, that's and funny. <laughs> may I remind you, uh, the, um, oh, God, what's that publication? Most Despicable Promotional Tactic, Too Many McMahons was the number one thing in 2003. And, right. And uh, maybe we're beginning to see why. Uh, Eric Bischoff's face is all bloody for some reason. Did he bleed? Yeah. I, that's, I was struck by that, too, where his face is very bloody. Uh, yeah. It's unclear why that would be the case. Weird. Yeah, I was like, did I miss something? I don't know. Maybe we ran into something backstage in catering. Yeah, uh, I guess we, so. And then we go backstage, and I don't think Triple H knew he was on camera here. He's just staring deep into his world title belt, uh, which I presume <laughs> he did every day before bed. Sure. Uh, Ric Flair comes over to affirm him, saying he's going to walk out of this Elimination Chamber match victoriously. Yeah, just all you're going to do is go out there and show him the belt, and then you take it back with you. There you go. The Elimination Chamber begins to drop as JR and King talk about it. JR says that Undertaker, sorry, Undertaker, oh man, if only. He says under, uh, Triple H is the underdog here. Um, but also, I don't know that under, Triple H is the underdog here because it's an elimination match. You don't really have any disadvantage. Uh, we also find out he's in a pod to start the match, so arguably he's at, at an advantage. Yeah, depending on when he gets uh, released from the pod. I bet yeah, he's going mean, to be super active in this match. Very much so. So, folks, we got to the main event of SummerSlam 2003. Uh, it's the Elimination Chamber match for the world title, the one on Raw. It's Triple H defending <laughs> his title. Uh, he's accompanied by Ric Flair. Uh, he also comes down with uh, Shawn Michaels against uh, Chris Jericho. Randy Orton's in the match, as is Kevin Nash and Goldberg. Um, pretty incredible six guys, I would say, for a match like this. You have some guys on either side of this. You guys who are world champions Many times over in multiple promotions, you have guys who were a world champion last year. You have guys who were world champion two years ago. A guy uh, who hasn't won, a guy who hasn't won anything yet, but would yeah. win uh, a lot of championships in the future. So basically, you took, uh, you know, they took Triple H, Jericho, and Shawn Michaels from the first chamber, mm-hmm. and uh, swapped out Booker T. Kane and Rob Van Dam were busy on their own. Booker T. had back problems, uh, so now we got uh, yeah Orton, Kevin Nash, and uh, the brand new uh, Bill Goldberg, who only signed a year contract, I believe. Okay. WWE. So well, they, they also they, have they had to make hay with him as fast as possible. They also have, um, you know, the, half the guys are kind of old WCW guys. Yes, they are. Yeah. Oh, interesting to think about that. Uh, just how how that works there. Um, so there's a video package here for this match, and, and Steve Austin made the match. Uh, and Triple H recalls last time when he got really hurt and lost his title. And we see clips of everybody beating everybody else up. And presumably it was over to St. Anger by Metallica. Will, can you just hit us a couple of bars of St. Anger? Uh, I can't because every time I want to sing the chorus, it starts with the F word. I can't do it. Does it really start with the F word? Bleep it all, no regrets. I hit the lights on these dark sets. Put down oh. your noose, I'll hang myself. St. Anger around my neck. I feel my world shake like an earthquake. Hard to see clear. Is it me? Is it fear? I'm madly in anger with you. There you go. That was John Cena rap style for you. I'm madly in anger with you? Yay, madly in anger with you. Oh, man, this sucks. Uh, 
<laughs> the lyrics on the Saint Anger album. Man, are, that is a uh, weak. Top. That is a weak ass uh, Metallica record. I mean, I remember being like, I remember at the time being like, oh Metallica, that's kind of cool. Uh, and then uh, finding out later on, it's like, no, 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 it's like famously. Uh, it's famously like the one first of the worst three albums songs are the only ones that are somewhat good. The rest of the album's really not good. But the the lyrics, uh, yeah, yeah, not fantastic. Uh, and so Howard Finkel tells us the rules. Two guys are gonna start out in the chamber. Uh, four guys are gonna be in the little glass pods, and a new guy comes in every three minutes. The little glass pods they just fit one guy. It's elimination rules. And then we so here we go. So the first guy out is Randy Orton. The next guy out is Kevin Nash. Uh, he's got bleach blonde short hair. Will, do you remember why he's got the hair? Like for this. Punisher, the movie starring yeah. John Travolta? He's going to be the Russian. And so the this is Russian. for a movie part. He's changed yeah. his hair. Will, do you, have you ever had to dramatically angle. change your hair for a role? Uh, I had to color my hair once for a, 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 a MOW, and that was about it. <laughs> no, what's <laughs> MOW? A movie of the week. Oh, they, great. They, okay. they make lots of those up here. Hallmark, That's Lifetime, uh, un, you know, one of the dozens of other uh, American cable networks that you've never heard of. I was looking like up a romantic uh, comedy called like fishing for love or something. I looked up a guy, uh, like a director for some, some kind of schlocky movie. And then I saw the most recent movie he did was 2021. He made a movie called Christmas CEO, oh, uh, which is nice. part of, was part of Hallmark's lineup this past year. Uh, I was thrilled to see that. I love the title oh. Christmas CEO. Yeah. That's good stuff. Uh, Kevin Ash, in addition to his bleach blonde, short hair, he's also wearing a diesel S gear that reads big daddy on it. Like the uh, British wrestler? Uh, I guess so, apparently. Uh, yeah, Kevin Nash came out and said, my name is Jason. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that, only, that only works for uh, the time of recording this, uh, the whole Walter <laughs> de Gunther thing. Mm. Um, and the Triple H comes out. He's dressed totally normally. Nothing weird about him at all. Well. <sighs> Will, what's he got on? What's going on here? He's, he's, got, he, he's, got a, he's got a groin issue, which they tell us as much. He's got a groin issue. He hadn't been on TV for a while. I think, obviously, uh, if I want to get kind of mean, I guess having a groin issue means you don't do cardio anymore because uh, <laughs> this is where he starts to look, like, really puffy. He's got these um, basically bicycle shorts on, Matt. they like, uh, skin tight. They're, they're probably, like, compression shorts that he has to wear. And uh doesn't look great. And uh, it's the first time he wears them. And uh, they're obviously for safety. So, you know, safety first, of course. Uh, but uh, they don't look great. Yeah, I mean he's got the he's got his tights over them as well. Uh, so mm-hmm. I don't think it's uh, yeah it's kind of like a, a two piece deal, but it's weird. It's just so it looks really weird. Yeah, it looks weird on him. And then Goldberg comes out last. Um, famously, uh, as Will alluded to earlier, Goldberg slipped uh, coming out for SummerSlam, um, but they edited out on the WWE Network. You don't see it. He turns around uh, and they cut away and they cut back and no one's the wiser and the commentators don't say anything and we move on. And we would never would have known it. Unless WWE put it on their official YouTube channel, a 30-second clip that says Goldberg stumbles on the way to the Elimination Chamber at SummerSlam 2003, and it just shows his entrance and him stumbling. Why is that on the network or on YouTube? Why do you – are they trying to be like, listen, sometimes we doctor footage on the WWE network here, (laughs) but we want to be – you know, we'll be dead dead ass with you, brother. Uh, Goldberg, uh, he slipped on his way out. He did it. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, so we have uh, Trish Jericho and Shawn Michaels starting it off because uh, the other guys that I just mentioned are in the pods. There's your WrestleMania uh, rematch right there. There it is there. So you get that there for all of three minutes. Um, although it feels like it's longer to start off here. Uh, and so, yeah, Jericho and Shawn Michaels, they go back and forth. They have a good little period of time there. And then Orton comes out first. 
And he comes out of the pot. He hits a high crossbody on, on Shawn Michaels to enter into the fray. Now, I got to point out something JR says here. Yes, please. Uh, he says, the title has only changed hands in Arizona at 99 at the Halftime Heat Show. He says, this title has only changed hands once in this Arizona. This title? No, not this title. No, I know. I oh, know it's boo. not this title. We just saw that title get defended on the show, and it didn't change hands. So there you go. All right. Well, what if? Uh, don't make more. Don't make more <laughs> do not make me more grumpy about this. Like, like they're muddy. They're muddying the world heavyweight championship lineage if they're not saying that Goldberg has won this before. Like, what wasn't it? Unforgiven two thousand two. They're just like, yeah, got held by all these guys, and this is the same title. I think they're trying to say, but, the, but, but again, they're not saying the right thing about the lineage of the title. No, you have to say this title was held by. Uh, you either you either see it starts with Triple H, and there's almost no history to it. Yeah. Or you say this is the title that was also held by uh, David Arquette and uh, yeah, Scott Steiner. Yeah, Vader. There's all this much you can do. Yeah, Vader, exactly. Gosh. Uh, and so uh, I like when Orton gets a two count and Ric Flair yells, wake up, ref. Yeah, and he it, says, wake up, Hebner. And Hebner, like, looks at him. He, and he looks at him and then he, he says, wake up. He, tell, he like, reiterates it. <laughs> which I love that. Uh, uh, and or- Orton, he's the first one to feel the steel when he gets back body dropped out of the ring. Uh, after he gets pushed off an RKO attempt. And the next in is Kevin Nash, who goes after Jericho, because Jericho recently cut tri- uh, Kevin Nash's hair, which he mm-hmm. should be thanking him for because it got him ready for his role, so I don't know why he's mad. Yeah, and also, like, all that long hair on the back of your neck in the middle of the summer? Come on, you want a nice breezy haircut? Who doesn't? Right. It should be fine. Yeah. Uh, so Nash hits a big boot on Jericho. He goes for a jackknife powerbomb, but Shawn Michaels hits sweet chain music on him. And then Jericho, he gets the jackknife, jackknife cover, that is. Uh-huh. And he gets the one, two, three. And Nash is gone. He didn't even last until the next guy came in. He's like there for like two minutes. He's there for like two minutes. He's also gone from this podcast, folks, because he's going to go get some neck surgery after this match. He won't be back until um, real not found. I think, uh, yeah, I think it was seven years later, SummerSlam 2011, uh, oh, he gosh. showed up uh, to interfere uh, on uh, behalf of uh, Triple H. He beat up uh, CM Punk. That's right. Uh, and so uh, Triple H is in next, uh, and this is confirming something that I had always suspected, which is the order of people's entrance is also the order in which they enter into this match, just like it's Survivor Series 2002. Mm, so okay. it's such a tease here. I don't know. They probably get better at it later on, but the fact that literally uh, the guys who come in, they also go out the same way. There's no real mystery to it if you're paying attention. Oh, so they probably fixed that in subsequent chambers then. I think they, I think they must have. The one they did at Saudi Arabia just a little while ago, Matt? Remember that one? That they just oh, did this yes. year? Yeah, of course. That was, that was insane. Thank you for mentioning that specifically, Will. I agree. Uh, Triple H is in next. Uh, sorry, like I said. He takes an, a moment to taunt, <laughs> which allows Shawn Michaels to hit a sweet chain music on him before he can leave his pod, taking him out of commission. So we have this kind of kind of this amusing <laughs> role uh, where he just gets hit, and uh, he's just out. Uh, and so Kevin Nash, he takes the opportunity to jackknife powerbomb both Chris Jericho and Randy Orton before he leaves. Uh, he's a bad sport. And so Shawn Michaels comes in, he covers Orton and Jericho, and they both put their feet on the ropes when they get covered. And then lastly, in comes Goldberg. And he runs in and runs wild, and he does kind of a press slam into a spinebuster in Orton, which I think JR calls a jackhammer. Like, I think he's, like, he mentions jackhammer in that moment, which is like, oh, what? I don't know if the crowd thought it was, too, but they were, like, really, like, whoa! They're really into it. They loved it. Yeah. They totally loved it. Um, and uh, Michaels and Jericho try to double-team Goldberg, but he clotheslines them both. And then Orton gets speared and eliminated 
Uh, and so the whole dynamic of like, will Randy Orton do the right thing? It's not even a teased doesn't match. Even, doesn't, doesn't even, even come up. Nope. Not even a thing. Uh, Jericho gets press slammed to the outside. And Goldberg comes out and he spears Jericho through the glass pod, which they've Ooh. edited here. Did they because, edit it? Yeah, initially they had a bad angle on it, which is similar to one of the replays they show where he just they show him spear him. Because what he does, like, here's the thing, folks. What they want you to think happens is that he spears him and they go through the glass together and it's all crazy. What he actually did was he speared him. The glass didn't break, and then he pushed him through. Yeah, that's basically so what, what they, happened. What they did on what's on the network is if you watch it; it's from behind. So the whole the the whole uh, like two things where like there's a spear and then an actual hit. You don't get that sense of that. You feel it's more like one continuous thing. Although they do show the replay, which makes it look less good, which is <laughs> too bad. They yeah, uh, Jericho. What happened in the first chamber? Who went through it? I think Jericho went through it again, right? Didn't Kane throw him through it? Yeah, I think so I remember, he did. I totally forgot that it actually happened. Remember, King sure said that did. the glass was bulletproof, not cane proof, and I'm like, no, it wouldn't be Jericho proof. Kane's a gun in that uh, instance. <laughs> yes, very true. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, all the talk of the quality of the glass is very funny here. Uh, oh, the, bulletproof plexiglass, and it just gets shattered so many times. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just some, sort of, some sort of plexiglass. It's like a, it's like a plastic glass, it would seem. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're, we're we're very familiar with plexiglass these days. Yes. Next time you uh, go out to your favorite coffee shop, you know, give that thing a good little wrap with your your knuckles. Yeah, see if you can see if you can pull Goldberg on it. You'll know what that means in just a minute. Uh, so Shawn Michaels drops the elbow on Goldberg, and he lands a sweet chin music. I'm just gonna say that was a very fun sentence to say. Mm, Shawn Michaels yeah. hitting an elbow on sweet chin music on Goldberg. Goldberg ducks the, the sweet chin music. He spears Shawn Michaels. He points at Triple H, who's still in his pod, and he jackhammers Shawn Michaels for the one, two, three. There we go. Goldberg beats Shawn Michaels. Have you ever had a question in the '90s who would win in a match? Uh, the answer is Goldberg. He killed him. It was dope. Well, usually that that question would be who would win between Goldberg and Steve Austin. That would be the big question. Well, and then we, and we'll never have an answer to that, unfortunately. No, Too never. Bad. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah. So Sean's gone, and Goldberg looks so good here. He just looks so dominant. Like I'm watching this, and I'm like getting hyped for Goldberg. I'm like this is sweet. This is great. The crowd's really? feeling it too. Yeah, the Goldberg yeah. chants are. You know, the crowd is. is they're into. They're into a big Billy. I don't know if you ever had this experience where you're watching wrestling or watching a movie and you're just like, I know how this ends, but I want it to be different this time. And I know it mm-hmm. won't, but I just want it to. Oh, absolutely. And uh, uh, Jericho takes another spear in the ring. He also gets Jack Hammer for the one, two, three. And so Goldberg has to eliminate three guys. There's five eliminations in a match like this. And he just did three of them. And it's, uh, uh, yeah, that's like 60%. That's right. Goldberg and Triple H are the only guys left. And Goldberg approaches oh, wow. the pod. Uh, Rick Flair. Tries to keep the pod door closed. He puts all of his body weight on it from the outside of the ring. It's pretty funny. And so Goldberg just kicks a hole in it. He kicks a hole in the glass. <laughs> and he punches through the rest of it, which is pretty cool. And then Goldberg punches Triple H in this pod. And they fight on the steel outside the ring. And uh, Triple H ends up knocked down in, in the ring. And Goldberg goes to line up a spear. But Ric Flair, it, this is, it, it's almost missed because they're doing a, uh, they're cutting away to a replay when this happens. But Ric Flair slides a sledgehammer through the cage to Triple H who steps aside for the Goldberg Spear and hits him with the sledgehammer on the way by, effectively knocking him out. Because yeah. Triple H covers him, and he gets the one, two, three. And so after all that, Triple H does next to nothing. Goldberg looks dominant, and then he takes a sledgehammer to the head when the spear from the spear, and he just loses at his first SummerSlam. And I'm still surprised by how much a match can annoy me just years later. Like, Goldberg looks amazing. The crowd is ready to anoint him. They're excited for it, and uh, they do this. It's just so stupid. So I think Goldberg's supposed to beat Triple H. I think it was supposed to be like a one-on-one match, and they they did the Elimination Chamber so that Triple H could still be in it and not have to do much. Um, cool. You know how much, is, you do, how much that, though? 
Well, you can also like just kind of take the belt off the guy that's injured and give Triple H some time off. But you know, maybe no. What you do, you give him a match at SummerSlam, and Triple H goes for a high knee. He gets speared and Jack Herbert in two minutes. That's how you do that match. Yeah, and you have a great main event with Kevin at Kurt Angle. And, but it's the craziest thing about this is that I, I watch stuff like this and I go, there's no way uh, that this wouldn't make more money if Goldberg was given the, the title here. Because people would buy Goldberg shirts and all sorts of like, like There's just so much more of an appetite to do that than what they ended Remember up doing. Remember when he had the belt in WCW? Well, guess what, pal? He got the belt in WWE now, man. And you can't totally. tell me it's, you can't be like, oh, it's all about the chase. It's like, well, it's not the chase. He lost. Like, it's like that. The chase is over when you lose like that. Uh, you don't have that. You don't get to have that power, and so that's just super annoying. Uh, but it's still it gets even worse as it goes on because Orton and Ric Flair celebrate with Triple H, and they help Triple H uh, hit Goldberg with a sledgehammer, causing him to bleed, and they handcuff him to the cage. Yeah, and Triple H hits him with a sledgehammer again, and slaps him around, saying he won't be champion. Uh, and this whole time I'm like, well, I kind of hoped that Goldberg would get the last laugh and like fight back and everything like that, but no, not what happens. No, they just they just get the heat on. And Goldberg bleeds impotently, and Triple H celebrates by the entrance entrance as we go off the air. And yeah. the end, ending just sucks all the hope I had out of this match. It just totally bummed me out. And then after this, they had a birthday party for Vince McMahon in the ring. And uh, Vince tried to get The Undertaker to do a spin rooney And Undertaker did not oblige. But apparently Big Show did. And I have seen um, Big Show. what, Big Show, what not looks like. What, uh, and I see. Uh, what looks like um, screen grabs of uh, of this of Vince in the ring, and I think Steve Austin was out there with him, and they all made Vince like say his real age on a microphone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then Vince like still healed it up by saying he'd live outlive each and every one of you in attendance here tonight, um, which is you know very Vince McMahon, a very a very fun uh, and good time. However, the end of this elimination chamber, a fun and good time, no. No, I mean, it just like, yeah, I, I just took the, just, just the ending just sucked for this. Now, well, uh, let's talk about the show as a whole here. I'd love to get your final thoughts on SummerSlam 2003. Now that we've watched it, now that you've taken this little SummerSlam journey. Um, and so, Will, on the show, we like to rate our shows based on the SmackDown video games of the era. We say, here comes the pain if it was a bad show. We say, shut your mouth if it was a show you wouldn't say anything about. And we say, just bring it for a show that you would like more of, which means it's good. So, Will, I'd love to get your, your thoughts on the show and your rating. So, uh, yeah, I didn't really remember a whole heck of a lot uh, about this show, but watching this and even the Raw stuff really took me back to 2003 because I I do remember all the Kane stuff. And, you know, the Kane program basically goes over two separate matches on this show. Um, And uh, I remember the Elimination Chamber not being super memorable. Matt, did they change it from every five minutes someone enters to every three minutes someone enters? Because it that feels makes like sense. I think they're entering way. The, this match is way shorter than the Survivor Series match. It feels like. Um, so I think the Elimination Chamber was a, a bit of a letdown. This was this was less than twenty minutes. That's actually pretty insane. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. It, it was a it was a bit of a letdown. I mean, I know Triple H again is hobbled, and they want him on the show because you know again they're they're hurting for star power. But I don't know. I got to come up with something else, I guess, to to, yeah. to get to get to get the most out of your wrestlers. Like the the wrestling side of Raw really wasn't fantastic. It was all Gaga and storyline, and uh, like you said, this magic contract that uh, Shane and Eric Bischoff had <laughs> just just absolutely uh, uh, bonkers. Um, now, on the SmackDown side of things, which is the side that we're concerned about, 
was uh, good. I would say good for the most. You know, I'd say Undertaker and Atrian has a good as match as those two can have. I think the Fatal Four Way was like we said, messy, um, but uh, in the hands of those four guys, you know, pretty well done, entertaining, fun. Um, and then uh, Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar, I think, uh, pulled out another classic. Uh, yeah. That being said, overall as a show, I, I call it a, a shut your mouth uh, for SummerSlam 2003. And then almost here comes the pain just for the disc inclusion of the f- fantastic tune, St. Anger oh. by Metallica. Um, yeah, but uh, again, Matt, uh, SummerSlam, you know, keep keep this in mind going forward. SummerSlam will tell you, tell you what the year is. It'll tell you what the year is. I'm going to keep going up until SummerSlam 2010. Uh, and then, uh, cause I've seen everyone from 11 to, to now. So, okay, good. I was wondering if you were going to keep going after that. That's awesome. I think I might. Very good. Um, so then let me talk about this too. Um, SmackDown main event is great. US yeah. title match is pretty good fun. Um, everything else is either eh or horrible. Yeah. Uh, and the elimination chamber just sucks the fun out of the whole thing. Uh, the ending actively bummed me out. I'm going to give it a shut your mouth as well. Cause you can't say <laughs> here comes the pain about a show that features a great Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar match, but you can you say it can. otherwise you wouldn't say about it. You wouldn't talk about it at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly, Matt. For me, for a Here Comes the Pain, which I gave Backlash, um, it would have to be just just awful top to bottom and especially have a main event that that lets you down. And this one (laughs) did have a main event that lets you down, but also included a match that was really fantastic top-notch wrestling, uh, including a guy who I guess was on one leg and one guy who was pretending to be. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so that, is, that was SummerSlam 2003. It was a big show. Uh, didn't feature the big show or John Cena or anything like that. Oh. Uh, and so next week's show, we're, we're going to be covering the August 28th, 2003 edition of SmackDown. We're into another interesting time here where uh, we're going to be going through quite some time until No Mercy. Here we uh, go again on our own. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight shows. Uh, thankfully, not as long as that Vengeance time there. We got eight shows. Uh, between now and uh, No Mercy, next SmackDown only pay per view, and so we're looking forward to uh, getting into it with that. Mm. It's gonna be a great. We although it is in the middle there. There's a couple of weeks there. September 11th, September 18th, 2003. Both very good, uh, very exciting to um, talk about that. And this folks, funny stuff. This funny stuff comes up here. Don't miss a week of it. Why would you miss a week? Why That's would you true. miss a week? We cover every week. We cover everything. We tell you everything you need to know. You don't have to do anything. You just got to listen to us. Most shows we don't even talk about Raw. I promise we don't even. We will. Raw will be mentioned less. I mean, we got Survivor Series 2003 to look forward to. Uh, yes, but we well, will. Yes. Uh, yeah, we and will Royal Rumble Raw less. And Royal Rumble 2004. Yep, Raw Rumble. That's what it is. <laughs> what year is it? Um, great. Yeah. Yes. So, folks, come on. You're gonna listen to it, and uh, we're excited to have you with us, the Smack Addicts. Um, and uh, unfortunately, we'll we'll say hello to the Smack Addicts. Matt, we'll have to bid adieu to the Slammerheads. Those are folks who are fans of SummerSlam. I'm so mad I came up with that <laughs> at the end of the show. I'm furious. Slammerheads. Sl- Slammer, uh, yeah. Slammer, yeah. That sounds good. That sounds good. I thought. Uh, Will, thank you. Thank you for coming with me on this journey uh, through SummerSlam, uh, which was a real, just a real bit of business. Real uh, humdinger. So you know, it was a dry heat. In Phoenix that night, and uh, we tried not to dry heave as we watched some of it. But, uh, Matt, uh, pleasure, as always. Uh, uh, before I record the next SmackDown episode with you, I'll have watched every SmackDown episode from 1999. 
uh, up until uh, that present day one. So I can give you some uh, history on SmackDown, of course, as well. You Looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll see you in a couple of months. Yeah, you, you may not have noticed this, but under all of your podcast apps, this is also under the history section. So that's why. You've always wondered yeah. why. Like, why is that? Well, that's why. Yeah. We always live in preparation for that. So, folks, thank you so much for joining us for SummerSlam 2003. I hope you enjoyed the show, even if you didn't necessarily have to enjoy the wrestling that happened therein. We ask that you would uh, follow us on social media. We're Smart on 6 on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, we are... Uh, also, you can share us with a friend if you think a friend would love the show. If it's somebody who likes to talk about old pay-per-views or or the good old days of WWE, the Ruthless Aggression era, maybe you're watching Ruthless Aggression, uh, that documentary series season two on WWE Network, you can do that. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, if you want to, sorry, I think I said pay-per-view earlier. I meant premium live events, of course. Premium live event, please yeah. and thank you. Peacock will send their lawyers after us. We don't want that. I need to respect that. I need to be clear about that. So, folks, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Will, for joining me. Uh, and uh, we will uh, see you next time on the Smash 6 Podcast. I just want to say, um, I, I hope you don't mind, Will. Can I just get you to come over here? I got the announce table here, if you don't mind. I'm just going to clear oh, it off. You got the actual thing. Look at that. Got it here. Wow. Yeah, bring it. So, so if you, I, I kind of want to, I kind of want to, ooh, yeah, feel that. Laying down on it feels Yeah, get cool. on there. Good, yeah, good stuff, Will. Look at, look at that. Cool. Okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go, yeah, I'm going to the ring now here. I'm going to hop up. What are you, why are you doing that? <laughs> you know, Will, I'll see you very closely in just one moment. Thank you folks for coming and watching and listening and joining us. Ah, here I come. <sighs> see you next time, folks.